Good morning, boys and girls. It is early 5.29 a.m. on a Monday, and uh, this is me, Wolf Golke, your reigning 2019 fantasy football champion, giving you a quick reaction to what just occurred yesterday, which was our fantasy football draft. Uh, just, just, you know, a quick reaction to everybody's teams, who I like, who I don't like. Uh, maybe a player on your team who I like, a player on your team I didn't like based on Whatever, and uh, just to preface this, look, you guys are great, but some of you make stupid fantasy choices. Some of you make good fantasy choices. Some of you make fantasy choices that it's just not how I play the game. Uh, I'm not right on 100% of anything, so my opinions are just that. They're my opinions. Don't take offense to them. I'm just going to go through each team one by one uh, based on draft order, so we'll go with... Peter Dick first, TB Retirement Tour. I think that's a pretty good name. His uh, avatar is a picture of Tom Brady at the NFL Combine. It's pretty funny. Peter Dick keeping it, uh, keeping it real, keeping it funny. And uh, he started off with Christian McCaffrey. Great, great pick. Not much to say about that. Then uh, we got Tyree Kill, who's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue right now, but... You know, for the most part, Tyree kills uh, the number one receiving option and the best offense in the NFL. And as long as he doesn't choke his girlfriend or beat his child, he should, you know, he should do pretty well. George Kittle, great value in the third round. Probably as good a bet as anyone to finish as the number one tight end in fantasy. Uh, fourth round, Terry McLaurin. Uh, he had a huge target share last year in Washington. And uh, I expect for that to continue. They don't really have any competition at wide receiver. Dwayne Haskins looked like shit early on, then looked better as the season progressed. So, you know, passing game should be uh, relatively decent, but we'll see. Uh, fifth round, Tyler Lockett. I had Tyler Lockett last year. He's, uh, man, he's the kind of guy that can go off one game and then be sort of disappointing another game. I think he had the majority of his fantasy points last year in like three or four games, but he plays with Russ Wilson, highly efficient quarterback uh, who gets the most out of his receivers. Other than DK Metcalf, not really competing with anybody for targets. So Tyler Lockett should be a strong wide receiver too this year. Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, Marquise Brown weighed like 175 pounds last year, couldn't stay healthy. You know, honestly, I I think Marquise Brown has a lot of upside and potential, but the way the Ravens' offense is, it's just going to be hard to project a lot of targets for him, for him week to week. And uh, he's got to stay healthy. And, and generally speaking, players that weigh under 185 pounds, they just don't produce. Uh, Tyreek Hill is the rare exception. We got Ronald Jones as his RB2. I like Ronald Jones. He's been the, uh, you know, clear-cut RB1 for Tampa Bay this year. I don't know what his passing game usage will be, but I think that he'll be on the field more than any other running back for Tampa Bay. Um, he, I'll just go with his starters. Brady at QB. I mean, look, Tom Brady has the best weapons he's ever had in his career, maybe dating back to when he had Randy Moss and Wes Welker. Um, Tom Brady should produce. And he's in a, in a, a division where he's going to play New Orleans, play Carolina, play Atlanta. Those will all be shootouts, more than likely, because those teams are going to run a lot of offensive plays. 
Uh, I don't. I mean, his defense is the Bills' defense. They play the Jets Week One. I mean, the Jets suck. So yeah. Tyler Boyd on the bench. I like that pick because Boyd's upside. Uh, it's really contingent on what AJ Green does this year, but Boyd has a lot of upside. Um, Cincinnati did spend a second round pick on a wide receiver, but they did that for John Ross, and John Ross sucks. So you know, I don't know if Cincinnati's really that. Um, Eager to get their second-round pick on the field. He was the, the receiver from Clemson. I, I want to say it's like Higgins or something, but I can't remember. Uh, Matt Breda. Of all the running backs on Miami, Matt Breda is the best pass-catching running back. Uh, he's behind Jordan Howard on the depth chart. But, you know, Howard hasn't been able to stay healthy. That being said, Breda hasn't really been able to stay healthy either. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Justin Jefferson should be a plug-and-play guy. At some point for Minnesota, he isn't their number two right now. He's playing behind somebody, but hasn't been starting. He will be in the slot, however, and Diggs is no longer there. So there are some targets to go around. I do think he's, at best, the third option there behind Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook in the passing game. So uh, it'll take some time before he's relevant. Adrian Peterson. I mean, look, dude, Adrian Peterson... He's, he's a high-floor player. You know, he had a 210 carries or something like that last year. He's certainly a guy that could rush for over 900 yards. Um, but, look, the, Red, uh, the Redskins, the Washington football team, they're not good. So I don't see him being on the field too much running downhill in, you know, positive game script situations. Robbie Anderson... He was a uh, free agent pickup by the Panthers this offseason. Actually was recruited by Matt Rule to Temple. And Robbie Anderson, look, he's, he's in a dynamic offense. Uh, he's not going to be the top, one of the top two options, but could certainly carve out a role. Um, and his game is more down the field. He's a deep threat. So he doesn't need a lot of targets. He just needs to hit on a few of his targets down the field to, to pay off week to week. And, you know, Carolina's got plenty of weapons to where Robbie Anderson's not going to have terribly difficult matchups every week. A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon profiles similarly to Derrick Henry, actually, in terms of his size. Um, I don't think he's as great a runner. Um, I think it takes... The thing about A.J. Dillon is it takes him a couple steps to get rolling. Uh, but once he gets rolling, man, ooh, watch out. He's not, he's not much of a pass catcher. Uh, in the sense that I don't think he's going to see a lot of targets in Green Bay's offense, but I think he can catch passes. Uh, Bryce Love, yeah, I don't know. That's a throwaway pick to me. I'm not even going to really. So, I mean, I like what his strategy was. He went with McCaffrey sort of as his anchor running back and then hit on wide receiver and tight end. I think George Kittle's his best pick in the third round. That's a real big value. Um so I like Peter Dick's team. The strength of his team is in his receiving core and McCaffrey. And um, he, he doesn't, the problem with this team I see here is really he doesn't have a lot of upside at running back after McCaffrey. Um, you know, he's going to need for Ronald Jones to hit because after that it's Matt Breda, who can't stay healthy, Adrian Peterson, who I, I feel like Washington's probably trying to move more towards a, you know, a, a guy like Antonio Gibson. And then A.J. Dillon needs Aaron Jones to go down to become relevant. So he's very strong at receiver, though. 
very, very strong there and, and at tight end. And Brady's obviously got upside because he's he's on a team that is going to be very good offensively. So I, I give I give Peter Dick a, a B plus, you know, especially with McCaffrey there. Um, okay, who's next? We've got number two. That would be Darius. Darius's team is the rebuild. All right, so Darius went with Saquon Barkley. Uh, solid pick. I like I liked Zeke a little bit more than Barkley, um, but Barkley's the more talented player. I mean, Mar- Barkley has an unbelievable ceiling because he's so physically gifted. His athletic profile is probably, arguably, the, the best of any player we've ever seen in the NFL. And uh, the Giants will definitely need Saquon Barkley to be, uh, you know, their, their offensive player. Firepower. I mean, he's going to be their offense. I don't see any other. I mean, you got Evan Ingram, sure, some receivers, but Barkley's clearing away the the way this team's going to move the ball. Uh, Travis Kelsey with the second pick. Look, if you're going to take a tight end, you might as well take Kelsey or Kittle, and uh, I like Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey's the you know probably the biggest red zone threat that Kansas City has, and they're the best offense in the NFL. I, I like his. Projection is him and Kittle are neck and neck. I mean, I I just think Kittle's going to see a big uptick in, in targets compared to last year. Kelsey's got better a better track record though, as far as just doing it more consistently, and he and he's been healthier in his career. Mike Evans, Mike Evans in the third round again. That's a great value. I mean, you could really make the case that Mike Evans should be going in the second round, and he's going to be. The you know arguably the number one or number two target in Tampa Bay, but man, he he just has so much upside. Jonathan Taylor, um, I think Jonathan Taylor will be by at least week six a guy that's top five every week in in fantasy at the running back position. The the one there's two things with Jonathan Taylor that that could really be annoying though. The first is. Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, I feel like both of those guys early on have a role. And Jonathan Taylor is not a good pass catcher. So it may be difficult to see him play a lot of snaps early. But I, I guarantee you by week five, six, seven, he's going to be the, the workhorse running back that they drafted in the second round. After that, I'm assuming uh, it was Robert Woods. Which, uh, look, Robert Woods, I mean, he's been a very... He had a breakout year last season. Um, he had over 1,000 yards. He, he has a lot of positive regression coming for receiving touchdowns. And, he, he look, he, he's a guy that gets a lot of opportunities in the running game. Um, they've used him as a motion receiver, giving him, on, giving him the ball on end arounds and, and such. So he touches the ball in a variety of ways, and Brandon Cooks is no longer there. Not that Brandon Cooks played a whole lot last year, but Robert Woods has um, definitely room to grow, and I don't see him finishing any worse than he did last year, barring injury. DJ Chark really broke out last season. Um, I think he has, again, this is a guy who has, he has room to grow in terms of um, t- more targets, 
He had eight touchdowns last year. That's probably about what he'll do this year, but I just see more more yardage coming for DJ Chark. And he look, he was uh, one of the top, you know, 15 guys in fantasy last year at his position. Uh, Raheem Mostert, look, he, look, this is going to be tough. I, I don't think Mostert is like the only running back that the 49ers are going to use. Um, he may be the best running back, or at least the lead running back that they use, but I, I doubt that he's going to get all the carries. Um, that, that being said, I mean, it's his RB3. Mostert is a high, you know, is a good flex option, but he needs a running back like McKinnon or Coleman, which could def- definitely happen to go down for him to really become like a potential high-end running back that you're playing every week. Uh, Ravens defense, that's a good pick. Uh, Cleveland, that might be a tough matchup right out the gate, but we'll see. Josh Allen, Josh Allen gets the Jets week one. Josh Allen's got like the easiest schedule of any fantasy quarterback this year, so I, I, I expect that Josh Allen will, will be solid in the first half of the year. Jamison Crowder. Uh, look, Jamison Crowder is going to get a lot of a lot of targets. I mean, there is nobody in New York. They lost Robbie Anderson. They, Denzel Mims has got a hamstring issue. Bashad Perriman can't stay healthy. It's really him, Chris Herndon, and Le'Veon Bell. So, look, I think Crowder is probably going to have, like, 90 catches, which for him should be, like, you know, at least 500 yards receiving. That's a joke, guys. Uh, Jordan Howard. Look, I think Jordan Howard's a good runner. But he's on his third different team in four years or something like that. And really, I look, I don't think Miami's going to be playing with a lead a lot. And that's where Howard would flourish. I mean, when, when they're up, they're leading, give him the ball. But he's going to have to be splitting time with Breda. And he's, he's not the better passing catch, pass-catching back. Jerry Judy was my favorite wide receiver in this year's draft class. He's an incredibly good route runner, which is good for Drew Locke, who's more of a see-it-and-throw-it type passer, and more, more so than an anticipatory passer. So Jerry Judy's the most talented receiver, you could argue, on the Broncos, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. I mean, how is he getting the ball? Because you've got Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, um, Deshaun Hamilton, they drafted another receiver. Jerry Judy should be the second option in the passing game. It's just hard to project him right now because, one, he's a rookie with very limited opportunity so far to really flash any ability on the field for, for at least people like you and I who you know aren't at training camp. And then you've got Cortland Sutton and, and just other guys that I assume will take – more targets away from Jerry Judy. But he has a lot of upside. Just he doesn't have a floor. I love this Duke Johnson pick. Duke Johnson is a really efficient player. And he's a great pass catcher. And Houston lost Will Fuller. Um, they, I think, will be playing from behind a lot. I think, I think Houston's going to take a big step back. Duke Johnson should be on the field as much, if not more, than David Johnson. I like Duke Johnson much better than David Johnson, um, and, I, and I see 
him having the potential to step into a lead running back role at some point this season because I don't think David Johnson stays healthy. Justin Jackson, um, you know, look, he needs Austin Eckler to go down, but he, he's definitely got potential. I mean, he's, he's a late-round flyer. Anthony Miller has that, like, third-year wide receiver breakout-type profile. Um, not a lot other than Allen Robinson to compete with for targets. And I think Nick Foles certainly makes their passing game better. Jack Doyle, um, look, I mean, this is a guy that has always been productive on the field for Indy. So I, I like Jack Doyle. I don't think that he's got a lot of upside, but, you know, certainly is a high floor player um, and should be, uh, you know, sh should be the third option in the passing game for an, a Colts team that I just don't really expect to to throw too, too often. So I, I like Darius's team. Um, definitely one of the better teams in our league. I mean, he's got, he's got good running backs. His receivers are probably his biggest weakness. Um, but he, you know, it's not, it's not that it is a weakness. It's just after Jamison Crowder and DJ Chark, like there's just not a lot of guys behind there, you know, Jerry Judy, and Anthony Miller, we'll, we'll have to see on them. Um, but I, I like his running backs. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, this team during the middle of the season has an, an opportunity to really uh, flourish if, if guys like Jonathan Taylor and Jerry Judy carve out bigger roles. So, and Anthony Miller, if he, if he, he was a big breakout candidate last year. So uh, I think people are, are kind of down on him after he didn't hit last season. All right, pick three, that was Mark, who, that's where I drafted, Mark's house. Nice house. I liked your, your place, Mark. It was nice. I liked your backyard. Uh, boom, boom. What is your team name? A-Rod's Mustache. You don't even have Aaron Rodgers. you got to change your name, man. Uh, Mark, first pick, Zeke. Yeah, I love that pick. I think Zeke's going to score like 18 touchdowns this year, so he's going to be a beast. Um, second pick was DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, first off, right off the bat, DeAndre Hopkins is going to play San Francisco, and that's a tough matchup. Um, I don't like DeAndre Hopkins going in the second round. I think he's living off the fact that he's been such a good fantasy player the last four or five years, but he's averaged almost 160 targets. And look. You guys can, oh, Wolf, DeAndre Hopkins is top three receiver. Yeah, dude, he's talented. Believe me, I, I've watched him play. He's really talented. But new offense, new team, new quarterback, not going to get 160 targets. You know, he's he just doesn't have the same upside that he normally would have. Um, you know, not that Arizona doesn't have upside because they, you know, are going to run a lot of plays. It's just... He's he's not his quarterback play has diminished. Like he Kyler Murray, not that he's not going to be good, but he's not as good as Deshaun Watson. And I just again I don't see him getting 106. I mean, let's see how many targets he had last year. I mean, he had over 105 catches. I can't see his targets on here, but I'm telling you guys, it's just I think he's going to see like 40 or 50 less targets, which is going to have an effect on his fantasy score. Uh, third round, he went with Lamar Jackson. Look, 
I had Lamar Jackson last year, probably why I won the league. But I took Lamar Jackson in the 14th round. Um, I just don't think you... I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be worth a third-round pick. When, especially you look at quarterback this year, it's the deepest position. It is so deep. There's There were so many other guys you could have had later. I mean, Lamar Jackson, in order for him to return as an early round, third round, as an early third round pick, he has to basically do what he did last year. And that's not happening. I mean, he's not going to throw 36 touchdowns. He's not going to have seven rushing touchdowns and 1,200 rushing yards. I mean, that's, he put up insane numbers. He's, he'll still be good. He, he might have a, a 900 yards rushing, which for a quarterback, good God, that's really good. 900 yards rushing, four rushing touchdowns. He, he may throw for 3,200 yards, which would be more than he did last year, and, and throw for 28 touchdowns. But his touchdown rate is going to, I mean, that was an unreal rate. I mean, he was throwing touchdowns and scoring touchdowns. He had 45 touchdowns, or 40, he had 43 touchdowns. That's insane. He's not going to do that again. That's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, so his fourth round pick, I'm assuming it must have been uh, Melvin Gordon, even though he has Gordon in the flex. I'm not sure why that is. It was either Gordon or Hilton. Uh, that's probably where T.Y. Hilton should have gone, so maybe it was T.Y. Hilton. Look, T.Y. Hilton, he, he has shown in the past that he has a lot of upside. It's just a matter of staying healthy for T.Y. Hilton. But he's the number one passing option in Indy. And, um, look, he plays the Jaguars week one. I mean, he should, he should torch them. They suck. Uh, Gordon, I don't, I don't like Melvin Gordon. Uh, he's already hurt. He's, you know, he's not a bad player. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I see, I don't think Philip Lindsay's going away in Denver. I think Philip Lindsay's going to have a role and I think it's going to take Melvin Gordon some time. And, and from what I've read, he's been struggling to really, uh, operate well in the altitude of mile high. So we'll see on Melvin Gordon. I just don't see any upside there. High floor, yes, no, not, not a lot of upside unless Philip Lindsay gets hurt. Uh, I don't know when he took TJ Hawkinson, but I know he took TJ Hawkinson pretty early. And look, I love TJ Hawkinson. He, he was a Mackey Award winner as a sophomore, played at Iowa. This is, this is the top 10 pick, and I've read that he's just shredding in training camp, so he's got a lot of upside. It's just that he's going to have to return a lot of value for where he was picked. You know, he picked Hawkinson probably four rounds early. So, you know, he's going to have to really shine early on. To, and he could. He had, he had a really big week one last year. So, uh, A.J. Green, I don't know. I mean, look, if, he, if he's what he was in the past, this is probably the biggest steal of the draft. If, you know, he, it ends up that he's washed, though, he, he's not going to... He's not going to be able to play him very many weeks if, if, he's, if he's hurt. So I don't know what, you know, A.J. Green's got a new quarterback. There's just a lot of unknown with A.J. Green. Uh, Antonio Gibson. Look, he was, an, he was a great pass catcher. I think, did he go to Colorado? Uh, was it Colorado State? I don't remember where he went. Um, he, he wasn't a... a a highly used running like runner in college, but he was a high, highly used pass catcher, which is I think what Washington wants to do with him because they have AP there. 
But uh, I think of all the running backs in Washington, he, he has the highest ceiling. Patriots D, that's a good defense. They play Miami week one. I mean, they should, they should, they should do pretty well. I think New England's going to win that game. Uh, Devin Singletary, I look. Devin Singletary just—he's not a big runner. He doesn't catch passes. He's not going to be used in the red zone. I think eventually Zach Moss is going to overtake him. Um, he has a role right now, and he will have a role throughout the year. But I just don't see a lot of upside. Cam Akers, on the other hand, that guy, man, he could be—he could have a huge year if if everything pans out well for him in LA. This this kid has a huge ceiling and a huge opportunity. Um, I mean, Cam Akers could end up being one of those guys that really just we were like, man, how did we not see this coming? I mean, he could really have a huge year. I like James White. James White. I mean, honestly, I I would I would plug James White into my lineup you know, right now. I mean, he, he's, I think he's going to have a big year with Cam and he's, he's their, one of their best pass catching options. Golden Tate. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I feel like J Daniel Jones had better rapport with Darius Slayton. Uh, Golden Tate's, you know, not always available. Uh, man, I just don't see a lot of upside there. Sammy Watkins had he he did well in the playoffs for Kansas City and God he was unreal week one. But you know there's a lot of mouths to feed. He's at best he's the fourth option in Kansas City. And then that's you know same with Curtis Samuel. I mean Curtis Samuel is talented, but you know he's behind DJ Moore. He's behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. Likely going to be behind uh, Robbie Anderson. I mean. You know, Curtis Samuel's on the last year of his contract. Benny Snell, I mean, you know, he needs James Conner to, to get hurt to become relevant, but that's happened. So, Benny Snell, if, if you know, if James Conner goes down, Benny Snell is, uh, you know, a guy to, to keep an eye on. I don't love this team. Uh, not, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson is a great is a great fantasy player. Uh, he's, he's definitely, he's got... The best or second best quarterback. He's got running backs. He's got a lot of running backs. I mean, one. Of, I think one of these guys, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, James White. One of those guys should hit. Um, I just don't love the outlook of Melvin Gordon, but his receivers are very weak. And and I like Hawkinson, but you know, probably a big reach there. Uh, just I just don't love his team. I mean, I, I, again, after Hopkins, who I don't think is going to be you know, as great a receiver as he's been in the past. It's T.Y. Hilton, and then you got maybe A.J. Green if he's healthy, Golden Tate, Sammy Watkins, Curtis Samuel. I just, you know, not a lot of upside at, at wide receiver. Um, all right, so pick four was Jake, I believe. Let's see, Jake. <clears throat> My young son, Gabriel. Um, we've got Alvin Kamara. Yeah, wow. I mean, Alvin Kamara could be the number one running back in fantasy. I mean, he's caught 81 passes three straight years. He's, he's in his first two years, he had 33 touchdowns in 31 games or something insane like that. You know, after Michael Thomas, he's their best pass catcher. I mean, he's a, he's unbelievable. Alvin Kamara is he was Christian McCaffrey before McCaffrey. 
So uh, you can't do much better at four with Alvin Kamara. Joe Mixon, you know, this, this guy's super talented too. But he's going to be on a shitty team. Uh, I just, uh, I'm, here's one of the parts of my process and fantasy is I tend to stay away from players that are going to be on shitty teams. And the Bengals are going to suck. Their offensive line sucks. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be great. Um, you know, they, they have, they just, I don't, their division is so fucking good. I mean, you got the Ravens, you got the Steelers, the Browns should be good. They're going to have a lot of tough weeks, tough matchups. And I just don't see a, a lot of opportunity for Joe Mixon to be getting carries with a lead or in the red zone. Uh, but dude, he's, he's talented. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a super good RB too. I love him at RB too. Julio Jones. I mean, dude, guys, listen, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like how the fuck does Julio Jones go in the third round? I mean, he's, he could be the best receiver in fantasy this year. Uh, the, the fact that, you know, Julio Jones was, I mean, you could argue in Jake's case, he has the best three, like, top three players. Like, of anybody that, that drafted in our league, his top three guys are are probably the best three, top three. Um, that's just so, so strong. I mean, those are all guys you could make a case for going in the first round. So, Jake crushed it in the first three rounds. And then I think he went with Patrick Mahomes, which... I like Patrick Mahomes in the fourth a lot better than I like Lamar in the third. And Mahomes should be the number one quarterback in fantasy. I mean, he, I, look, his up, he, he has an unlimited capacity to score. He, he's just in such a good situation. Um, so I love that. The only thing I don't like with him, with his team with Mahomes, is that he didn't go back and grab somebody for, from Kansas City. Um, that's I mean, so he did, and I'll get to that pick later, but, um, you know, I just don't, you know, I, I like stacking players, you know, so I, I, I do like the pick though, don't get me wrong. Um, uh, you know, he, he is a, uh, he, he should be the best fantasy, fantasy quarterback. Um... Let's see here. We've got Cooper Cup. I mean, dude, Cooper Cup's, you know, this guy's a touchdown machine. So he's a solid He's a solid wide receiver, too. I, I like Cooper Cup. You can't go wrong there. Again, just a high-floor player. And no cooks anymore, so he's going to see, you know, I, I don't see his target share diminishing. So I, I had Darren Waller last year. Darren Waller's right now still like the number one pass catching off, off, off option in Las Vegas with the Raiders and his week one matchup. I mean, I was telling the guys yesterday, like Carolina is going to put Jeremy Chin on Darren Waller. He is going to get fucking roasted. I mean, Darren Waller should shred week one. And, and look, he's, he could, I mean, he's got a lot of room to grow in terms of touchdowns. Uh, they did. They did sign or draft Henry Ruggs, but look, there's there's a lot of mal, there's not a lot of mouths to feed in Las Vegas. So I, I do like Darren Waller. Do I like Darren Waller in the sixth round? No, I don't. I think that's a little ripe for for Darren Waller. But look, because of his, I mean, if you look at the way he's he's drafted his team, I mean, 
he's filling out his position. So he got his running backs, he got his receivers, he got his quarterback. Now he's got his tight end. I mean, just from a standpoint of like matchups, I mean that Darren Waller is going to be the best tight end in most matchups week to week. Brandon Cooks, look if you like Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks is like you could get you got Cooks right right there. Um, you know he he's going to be if he's healthy he's going to be solid. I mean they went out and traded for him. He's he's shown a lot of upside in the past. He's just got his problem is concussions. But we know that Cooks, when healthy, he can be a dynamic threat on the outside. It's just the when healthy part. And look, after a guy's had multiple concussions, you just start to wonder if that's going to be something he can't overcome. All right, so we have to talk about uh, Mecole Hardman here. Um, This was a terrible pick. And I know that the reason it was a bad pick is because, look, Mecole Hardman had 40 targets last year. That's basically like three targets a game. Um, now, look, the dude, when he, he's efficient, I mean, he averaged over 20 yards per reception. And he had six touchdowns. So, he's a high, I mean, 26 catches, six touchdowns, that's an insane touchdown rate. And then, I mean, that's unbelievable. And that's the thing. It's like, I just don't, you can't. It was like I was saying before with Lamar Jackson. That's just impossible to replicate that type of efficiency. He doesn't have enough target volume in that offense for, for me to really find much intrigue. I mean, 40 targets, is that's awful. I mean, you can't count on that. You can't count on the fact that he's going to have a touchdown every three times, he, every four times he catches the ball. That's just 25% touchdown rate on his receptions is just not a duplicable is you just can't do that (laughs) I I don't see that happening is he a guy I mean he's a great bench player if something happens to Tyree Kill yeah sure but you know right now I I I don't see him as he shouldn't be starting I, I can tell you that uh David Montgomery look if he's healthy he's the number one running back in in Chicago but I had him last year. I watched him play. He just doesn't do anything spectacular. And he's not, he's not even their best pass-catching running back. But, I, I mean, Tarek Cohen sucks. So, you know, he, he has an opportunity. Uh, he has the Bears defense, by the way, which, I mean, week one at Detroit, I don't love that matchup. That's on the road. And, and look, the Lions offense is going to be good. I mean, Matthew Stafford, he can rip it up. I mean, I don't, I don't, think, I don't know if the Bears are going to win that game. So Kareem Hunt, I love that pick. Kareem Hunt could be like a league-winning pick if Nick Chubb goes down. And you already know Kareem Hunt's going to have a role as a pass catcher. He uh, he did have a, a big year when he – not big year, but he had a, a big role when he came back from suspension last year. Big thing for Kareem Hunt is just don't, you know, kick bitches in the face or whatever, and, and you know, you'll, you'll be fine. So if you're going to draft Darren Waller, there's no reason to draft Evan Ingram. I mean, I'm not saying Evan Ingram's not a good pick in the ninth, 10th round, wherever you got him, but there's really no point because when are you going to start Evan Ingram? I mean, during the bye week, it just, it's, uh, look, Evan Ingram's super talented, first round pick. I've seen this dude make some unbelievable plays. So, I, but it's, look, it's just hard in our league to uh, trade anybody 
because everybody thinks their players are really good, and that's just the way fantasy is. People think, oh, yeah, th- I think he's worth this, and, and other people don't. Like, it's just going to be tough to, to do anything with Evan Ingram. <laughs> I love Henry Ruggs. Um, I think he has so much upside, and, and like I was talking before, Vegas just he, – there's a lot of, you know, opportunity. I mean, Kyle Renfro, Tyrell Williams, give me a break. I mean, Henry Ruggs is way more talented than either of those guys. So he should eventually carve out a pretty big role uh, with Las Vegas. Boston Scott, I like that pick. I mean, look, Miles Sanders is already questionable with a lower body injury. And Boston Scott flashed last season when Miles Sanders wasn't on the field. Um, I think he has a role regardless of Miles Sanders' health. And if something were to happen to Sanders, look, this guy would be productive. So a really good late-round running back. Larry Fitzgerald, man, dude. God, what I, I can't even... He's got to be 35, 36 years old at this point in his career. Um, not a lot of upside. I mean, n- zero upside. But look, would anybody be shocked if out the gate Larry Fitzgerald was productive? I wouldn't. I mean, but he'll probably, you know, at, after week seven, we won't hear from him. Sony Michelle. Yeah, Sonny Michelle hasn't really been practicing. But, look, I mean, this was a very talented running back out of Georgia. Um, I just, I don't know. It's his last pick. I mean, for his last pick, it's a great last pick. Because if he ends up being the starting running back in New England, you know, he should should be at least a guy that you can put at your flex with RB2 upside, so... Uh, look, I think Jake, honestly, if we were going to talk like from a matchup standpoint, probably has the best starting roster right now of anybody, particularly because, I mean, he's got the best quarterback, top three or four running back, and then the, probably the best RB2, and then the best, you know, Julio Jones there as his wide receiver one. I mean, you could argue Julio Jones is the second or third best fantasy receiver, you know, right now and has the chance to be the the best receiver. So I would say Jake, and then Darren Waller is a top three tight end, top four tight end. Uh, I would just maybe, you know, maybe me, Cole Hartman, look, maybe he proves me wrong. I don't know, but that's about the only guy starting for him that I don't, I don't love. But uh, just from a pure matchup standpoint, I think Jake's got the, the best team um, so far. All right, pick five. That was uh, G. Hicks uh, getting married soon. So I'm sure he's super busy playing golf. Um, I know he won the league two years back, and he was he was crushing last year until injuries screwed him. So let's see what's he. So Garrett, we got Dalvin Cook. I mean, look, Dalvin Cook was awesome last year until he got hurt. But you know, I don't think I don't necessarily think that Dalvin Cook is injury prone. He just plays a position that you're, you know, you're a running back. Running backs get hit. They, they get hurt. That's just the reality. But when he's on the field, man, he's unreal. They just got rid of Stephon Diggs. I mean, they're going to throw to Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. I don't really think, you know, he has a lot of competition for targets. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be the Dalvin Cook show. This is a team that's built around its running back. And they probably will pay him. I don't think he's going to miss any time because of a contract holdout or anything like that. So, look, Dalvin Cook, 
his upside is immense. I mean, he if he was the best running back in fantasy, nobody should be surprised. In the second round, it's funny because I really considered Aaron Jones here, um, but Devontae Adams was there, so I took him. But Aaron Jones, man, this guy has a lot of upside again. I mean, he, he is, for a running back, and really for anybody, he's one of the best route-running players I've ever seen. I mean, he runs some smooth routes. And they get him out of the backfield, and he can really shred you. I mean, they, they do a good job scheming Aaron Jones open in the passing game. And then he scores touchdowns. I don't know how A.J. Dillon affects that. Um, I think it'll affect him a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, Aaron Jones, if he can stay healthy, should be, you know, he should be good. Allen Robinson, I love Allen Robinson. He had 154 targets last year, which was third in the NFL, and I don't think that's impossible for him to see again. I mean, the Bears don't have anybody to throw the ball to. And I think Nick Foles is going to eventually start and be, you know, much better for, for Allen Robinson. A-Rob is in the prime of his career. He's had a 14-touchdown season. Look, he, I mean, he should shred. I mean, he, he should be a top top eight guy. And then you got, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is in that same boat. I mean, he's got an off, off his offense is unbelievably good. Uh, he's the number one pass-catching option. He plays in the slot, so he gets great matchups. And, you know, I don't know how his touchdowns project with Eric Ebron and James Conner, but Juju Smith-Schuster should catch 100 balls. I mean, he really should. He, I, I like Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, and I don't think he's injury-prone or anything like that. He's a very talented player and, and should definitely be... I mean, look, God, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, that's, that's great. Um, I think he must have gone in the fifth round with Le'Veon Bell. So the way, here's the thing I feel like Le'Veon Bell is definitely going to get a lot of carries and a lot of – I mean, he will have a lot of opportunity. I just don't think he's been an efficient player. And, you know, I don't think the Jets are going to be in scoring position a lot. So – the problem with Bell is I don't I think he gets touches I just don't know how valuable his touches will be or how efficient or how how much he'll score. Um, but you know he as his RB three that's you know that's not bad. Uh, Kyler Murray in the sixth I believe. Look Kyler Murray he just needs he just needs pass attempts. He didn't have as many pass attempts as I think people thought he would have. Um, but the, the Cardinals, you know, in neutral game script, they were third in plays run. He did just get DeAndre Hopkins. Um, this was a really good running team last year, though, and I think we'll see more running from Kyler Murray. His, he has a huge ceiling, and I don't see, like, a lot of downside with Kyler Murray. So the only thing is, is I just don't believe in picking quarterbacks before, like, round nine, round eight, you know. Honestly, I, I wouldn't have picked a quarterback before round 10 or 11 if Watson hadn't been there. I just, I'm just not on the, look, round six, there's a lot of good receivers and running backs you can take in round six. You know, Kyler Murray in round six, I'm just not, I just think that's a little bit of a reach at that point. Uh, not a bad player, just the value to me isn't there. But Again, kind of looking at his team, like I was talking about Jake's team, I mean, you've got Kyler Murray, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell. He's got the better player in a lot of matchups that he's, he's going to have. 
I'm, I'm assuming Jarvis Landry. And look, there's nothing to say that Jarvis Landry won't be the best receiver from a fantasy perspective in Cleveland. I mean, Jarvis Landry has been efficient. He typically has, like, over 80 catches every year. And he's, like, an 11. I mean, he's a solid. I mean, at wide receiver three, it's hard to do worse than Jarvis Landry. I mean, he, he's really been a guy you can count on. He, he is a high-floor player. That's what actually I like is you got Bell and Jar- Jarvis. Those are high-floor guys. I, I don't see them having really bad weeks. You know, relative to other players, Steelers D week one. I mean, they should they should fucking kill the Giants. I I don't know. You know, the Steelers not just not because I think the Giants are necessarily bad. I just the Steelers defense is is just fucking nasty. I mean, they have so much talent, as much talent as anyone defensively. Uh, DeAndre Swift. I was a lot higher on DeAndre Swift, and, and I've just been reading so many things about how he's not practicing. He's he's I think he eventually he's going to be a great fantasy player. It might not be until like week 7 or 8. He he pro, he profiles actually to me a lot like Alvin Kamara. And I think he will have a role and I don't think Carryon Johnson's any good. I, I I mean, he can't stay healthy either. So eventually DeAndre Swift will, will make his I mean, I thought he was the best running back in the draft. Um if he had gone to Kansas City, I think he would have gone higher than Edward Solaire, Edward Delaire went in our draft. DeAndre Swift is uh he's talented. It's just a matter of staying healthy and getting on the field because you know Matt Patricia, he's been a pain in the ass with rookie running backs. We saw that with Carryon Johnson. So, you know, we'll see. Look, if a team like look the Bills went out and they traded for Stephon Diggs, and I think that's because Josh Allen was the worst thrower of the deep ball in the NFL last season, and Stephon Diggs was the top deep ball receiver. Here's the thing with Diggs. He's like, the he blows up, or he just, like, doesn't show up. And I, I, I'm always skeptical drafting players that go to different teams. Wide receivers on new teams, it's, there's always a little bit of a, a transitional period. But, you know, Diggs is on its bench, so it's not like he's got to start Diggs right away. And uh, down the stretch, I mean, he he could end up really, you know, being valuable. Christian Kirk, I mean, dude, he's he was a third round or yeah, I think he was a a second round pick three years ago. He's he's got that third year wide receiver breakout profile. Um, so I like look, I had him for a little bit last year. He had a huge week against Tampa Bay, so we know he can go off. And he plays in an offense that, you know, is going to be good, I think. Uh, I like, See, here's the thing. This is like, I was talking about Mostert earlier. And, you know, being a six-round pick, I thought that was a little rich. But, dude, Tevin Coleman, like, 11th, 10th round. I mean, dude, Tevin Coleman could be the starting running back in San Francisco. He has a ton of upside. And he's going to get touches. I mean, he was with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. Kyle Shanahan clearly has an affinity for Tevin Coleman. And then again, Marlon Mack here. I mean, it's like he's going to start the season. I mean, he's the starter right now. I don't I don't know if he can hold on to the job or not, but Marlon Mack, he has flashed and he's in a great situation. Again, for the for where he was taken, that's that's really good value. So I don't hate this pick, but 
you know, I don't think you really need a backup quarterback if you're going to spend a sixth-round pick on Kyler Murray. Um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't really seem to be like a guy that has a lot of upside because it looks to me like Green Bay is really becoming a run-first defense, defensive-minded football team as Aaron Rodgers heads into the twilight of his career. But there is the reality that they just took a quarterback and Aaron Rodgers might have a fire under his ass and come out, you know, just fucking shredding this season. So who knows? Um, I don't know if you guys know a lot about Mike Jacecki. I love Mike Jacecki. He's so... I, I considered taking him. I took him in my other draft. Uber-talented guy. I mean, he's physically speaking, just an extremely talented player. Um, he, he's been in the development process. So he, he has a, a chance to really blossom this year. I mean, if Tua is his quarterback... And I don't think he, he's not really like a traditional tight end. He's like a move inline tight end. He's going to play in the slot a lot, which is good for his fantasy outlook. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jacecki, he, you know, I didn't mention Noah Fan, but I mean, again, he really broke out last season. I have Noah Fan in Dynasty. Noah, Noah Fan is, um, you know, a, a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. I like Noah Fan, though. I mean, he's. Yeah, you know, he has a chance to really be a good tight end. So I, I think that, you know, Garrett's team is really strong. Um, running backs are really good. Wide receiver depth. Uh, he, you know, he went out and got a quarterback with an early pick. So he's, you know, got an advantage there. The only, I mean, the only thing is he doesn't have a lot of upside outside of like, Swift. That's the only thing. I I don't see a ton of upside from like Marlon Mack. Tevin Coleman needs an injury to be relevant, like really, really have a high upside. Um, and and Le'Veon Bell could could end up screwing him. I he could end up not being being in a great situation. Uh, but you know, you could argue Garrett's got one of the top three teams in our league. Just looking at all the other teams. All right, um, let's see. Pick six, that was me. I guess I'll give you guys my breakdown of my team. Um, so I went with Derrick Henry in the first round. And Derrick Henry actually wasn't doing particularly well until, like, after week 10. <laughs> but after week 10, he was, like, the best running back, one of the best running backs in fantasy. And finished top three. Um, my biggest hope for Derrick Henry is that he sees his passing game usage spike um, because they don't have they don't they don't have Deion Lewis and this guy they have from Appalachian State hasn't really been playing that much and he's been fumbling. So Derrick Henry should be like their every down workhorse running back, which in this day and age is hard to find. And it's hard to find a, a player like Derrick Henry where the team has literally built its offense around Derrick Henry. He also has like almost 30 touchdowns in his last 22 or 23 games. So that's a pretty impressive amount of touchdowns. And I love touchdowns. They're worth six points. Second round, I went Devontae Adams. I mean, dude, I've drafted... This is the fourth straight year I've drafted Devontae Adams, and he has just been a fucking beast. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is quarterback. He's... When he, when he is healthy, he is the 
number one red zone target in the NFL. I mean, three year prior to last year, he had the most red zone targets over the last three years of any player. Uh, Chris God, the Godwin. Chris Godwin, the God. I don't, dude. He was number two in fantasy points last year, and he's got Tom Brady. I just immense upside, and he, he's. It's not like he's gonna have anybody that's like gonna match up with him that can really shut him down, because you got Mike Evans on the other side. And uh, look, I love NFC South players because all the te- all the teams are gonna be offensively good. You're gonna have so many shootouts. You're gonna have. They're going to have to play New Orleans in the Dome twice. They're going to have to play Atlanta in a Dome. They're going to play Carolina, who has a fucking horrific defense. So Tampa Bay should should be in a lot of shootouts. In the fourth round, I went James Conner. And James Conner was going to be... He was on pace to really crush last season. I mean, he was a top-seven running back. And look, it's hard to in the fourth round to find... A running back who's on a team with maybe the third best offensive line in the NFL who also catches passes. I mean, James Conner is a rare, you know, type of running back in this day and age. So, and I love, like, first week of the season, the Giants, I mean, that's a great matchup. Uh, so, in the fifth round, I took Calvin Ridley. And again, I'm talking NFC South. I mean, it just, he's... He, there's going to be shootouts. And in Atlanta, outside of Julio Jones, who, who are they throwing the ball to? They traded Austin, or they didn't re-sign Austin Hooper. They don't have Justin Hardy. It's really Julio and Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley, we know, is a first-round pick. He's a year-three wide receiver, like certainly a breakout candidate after being a top-25 receiver last year. So Calvin Ridley has a huge ceiling. Okay, I don't love Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram didn't really have a great... Uh, he, he had a good season last year, but he overperformed massively based on his usage. And I don't see his usage going up because I just drafted J.K. Dobbins. Really, what I did here was I, I said, look, I want the Ravens running backs because the Ravens had the best running system in the NFL. So they're going to have good running backs. So I, I'm just hoping... Mark Ingram or J.K. Dobbins, who is my next pick, one of those guys pans out. I mean, it could be a committee, so it could be a pain in the ass, but it could be that J.K. Dobbins eventually takes over the lead role and fucking, you know, shreds. Michael Gallup, uh, look, he was sixth in the NFL in yards per game. Um, He had more targets than Amari Cooper did. And I think Dallas is going to be the best offense in the NFC. So you better have somebody on that team. Um, Chase Edmonds, that's just like if Kenyon Drake gets hurt, look out. Damian Harris, um, you know, look, he's he could start as the Patriots running back. He could also, you know, have five rushes. So really no floor for him. He could he could be a total bust. Um Forgot to mention, so in the ninth round, I took Deshaun Watson. I mean, he was the QB4 last year and the QB4 before that. Um, so, hard to argue taking Deshaun, even though he lost DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's he runs the ball. He has good receivers still. I mean, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb. He, he's got Duke Johnson. He's got weapons. 
you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a top four quarterback again. I mean, he, he can do that. At tight end, Austin Hooper, I mean, this guy was eighth in fantasy points at his position last year. Goes to Cleveland. I mean, he's, you know, Njoku's there. There's a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland, but they paid him a shit ton of money, so I, I, I assume they'll use him. Chris Herndon, though, I think is he's got huge breakout potential because there aren't a lot of mouths to feed, as we've talked about in New York. And look, Sam Darnold is a talented player. I mean, him and Chris Herndon had a, a connection when they were both rookies three years ago, so I expect for Chris Herndon to, to be a highly valuable part of the Jets' offense, you know, but it's a shitty offense. Okay, so Jarek McKinnon, you know, before his injuries the last two years, signed a pretty lucrative deal with the, with the 49ers. And I don't think Jarek McKinnon is the best running, running back on the team in terms of running between the tackles. But he is their best pass catcher. And I expect for him to have a role. And I don't know what's going to happen. But look, I, I'll take a 49ers running back in the 14th, 15th round. Just there's potential. And then, look, Cam Newton, this is just purely an upside pick. I mean, this is a former MVP. Cam Newton used to be a huge fantasy asset when he was, you know, scoring 10 or more rushing touchdowns every year. I mean, dude, Cam could be nothing or he could be something. So last pick of the draft, I don't mind taking him. I took the Chargers defense because they played the Bengals week one. And like I mentioned, the Bengals are going to suck. So... Uh, I'm going to have to put the next four teams in a different podcast because Anchor only allows for you to do about an hour. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna send out another podcast here, and uh, I'll have that one out shortly. All right, guys, so this is the, uh, the second part of my breakdown of our fantasy draft in the uh, THC for my CTE league. I just finished my uh, my team's evaluation, so we're going to go to pick seven here. Uh, that was Paulini. Uh, where is the wild card? Sure, why don't you make your team name something to do with being a doctor, Paulini? I think that's what I would do. I mean, shit, you went to school for 20 fucking years to become a doctor. You might as well take advantage of it. All right, so uh, first round, Paulini with the seventh pick took Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That is Alaire, no H. The H is silent. I just learned that within the past week or so. Look. You know, he was drafted by the Chiefs in the first round, and Andy Reid has always made running backs look like fucking G's. I mean, this is... I, I like the pick. I think Edwards-Alaire will be really good. I'm honestly worried that I didn't pick him because I think Edwards-Alaire has, like, Christian McCaffrey-level type ceiling. The only thing about Edwards Alaire is he's like 5'4 and ran a 4-6, which is weird. I mean, he but people are comparing him to Brian Westbrook. So that's a hell of a comparison. I mean, whew. And then in this offense, look out. I mean, Edwards Edwards Alaire should be a top five running back. If he's healthy. Alright, so David Johnson. Alright, Alex, I'm sorry, but 
that was the worst. This was the worst pick in the draft. David Johnson, number two, second round pick. I mean, dude, hey, Paul, you could have David Johnson in the fourth or fifth round. He is he is washed, man. He has had a back injury. He, I mean, did you see him last year when he came back from his injury? He couldn't even move. I mean, he's, I do not like David Johnson. Um, just because Bill O'Brien signed him. I mean, Bill O'Brien is a, is a fucking donkey. I mean, this guy makes the stupidest moves I've ever seen. I mean, he traded DeAndre Hopkins. He, he's, I just, he's not a good GM, and I don't think David Johnson's going to last. So that, to me, sorry, Paulini, but that's, that's the worst pick of our, of our draft. And uh, there were some bad ones. All right, I guess I'm assuming after that you went with Adam Thielen, which that's a good pick. Adam Thielen, I mean, he could he had 113 catches in 2018, and now he's really the number one guy with no digs. So he, he could definitely do better than 113 catches. Uh, it's within the realm of possibilities. And so if he does do better, yeah, that would be pretty fucking awesome season. A.J. Brown, okay, so this is the thing. I love his – he is an extremely talented player. I mean, he, he is explosive. One of the best players we've seen after the catch. I mean, his metrics last year were insane. Uh, he overachieved in so many ways, which it's likely that that will regress. So what he needs after having 84 targets last year is to have like 110 targets this year. But when I look at the playoffs last year, he had eight or nine targets in three games. So that's the only thing that scares me with A.J. Brown is he – may not get a lot of opportunities to catch passes. But he, he has been efficient with those. Uh, I'm assuming his fifth-round pick must have been Leonard Fournette. Um, I mean, in the fifth round, you know, yeah, why not? Again, the Leonard Fournette, he's a running back on a shitty team. So, I mean, the Jaguars just traded their best defensive player yesterday. So, I, they're clearly not trying to win. And uh, they signed Chris Thompson, who Jay Gruden has, a, you know, a hard-on for. So, I just don't see a lot of upside for Leonard Fournette. I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score. He was pretty inefficient last year. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't see him scoring many touchdowns and... I'm just not. Uh, I don't like. I don't like him that much. Keenan Allen, though. I mean, for where you got him, very solid, solid value. Um, I do, however, have questions about the Chargers' passing game with Tyrod Taylor. Not because I don't think Tyrod Taylor is capable. I, I think he is. I just don't think the Chargers are going to run a lot of plays. They're going to be like a slow-paced, run-first offense, play defense type of team. <laughs> Saints defense week one. Okay. Um, Philip Lindsay. I like that pick. I think Philip Lindsay could end up being the starting running back in Denver. So he, he to me, has more upside than Melvin Gordon. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is like, I've seen Marvin Jones have 150 yards and three touchdowns, and I've seen him have, you know, one catch for 17 yards. He's, he's kind of an up-and-down player. Julian Edelman, the number one pass-catching option in, in New England with Cam Newton? I mean, sure. Why not? Um, 
He's he has had injuries though. He's he's got to stay healthy. Latavius Murray's great. If if something happens to Kamara, I mean, dude, Latavius Murray, watch out. That, that dude that dude will will be very good. But he needs an injury really to be relevant. Emmanuel Sanders comes over to New Orleans after a pretty good year with the uh, 49ers last season. Look, here's the thing. I mean, and I didn't mention you have Jared Cook at tight end, which I think is a great that's a great tight end. Emmanuel Sanders is competing for targets with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook. I mean, he's the fourth option. Randall Cobb, I like that. I mean, he, he comes over to Houston after signing a $21 million deal, so you know they're going to use him. And then Kayshawn Vaughn, he was a third-round pick out of Vanderbilt, played behind one of the worst offensive lines in college and was still productive. The only thing I would say about Kayshawn Vaughn is... He needs it again. This is a guy that needs like Ronald Jones to get hurt or to suck, LaShawn to get hurt, uh, Aguba Wale has to get hurt. And he's a rookie playing with Tom Brady, who's trying to win Super Bowls. You know, that it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to see Kayshawn Vaughn having a role um, early on. Um God, Paulini, I just I hate the David Johnson pick so much. I don't think you have the worst team in our league, though. I mean, I think, you know, you have some... I mean, Edwards Alaire, I like that. Matt Ryan, I mean, he should he should lead the league in pass attempts again. So, we'll see. I just, you know, there's upside here. Don't get me wrong. I mean, look, if Leonard Fournette ends up being good, you know, I have to eat a dick, but I don't think he's going to be any any good, so... All right, we go to Mikey, who I beat in the championship last year. Uh, let's see here. Mikey, back to the top. Back to the top. Uh, why? I don't understand. Oh, I'm on the wrong tab. Okay. All right, Mikey, first round pick. Michael Thomas. Yeah, I mean, that's... Look, he's... He was incredible last year. Got him at pick eight. I mean, that's that's good value. And not a lot to say on Michael Thomas. We all know he's a fucking baller. Okay, I had Miles Sanders last year. He came on last year. I mean, if you watched him down the stretch, he was he was getting all the usage. And if that's the case this year, he's 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 going to be a top top ten running back. And he's got a huge workload ahead of him. Philadelphia should be good. I mean, I think they should be the best team in the NFC East. Um, so I do like Sanders. And, and he does profile as a guy that is a three-down back. I talked about Boston Scott before. But, I mean, look, if I don't think Boston Scott's going to carve into Sanders' role too much. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, was averaging over 25 touches a game you know, 160 total yards, like, he's, he has a huge, huge ceiling if, if everything hits. Uh, his third pick, that must have been DJ Moore, and look, I'm a Panthers fan, okay, full disclosure, but DJ Moore is, I mean, he is an awesome player. He, he his run after the catch is maybe the best in the NFL. 
I know that sounds crazy, but dude, this guy, his metrics last year were insane. He's a third-year wide receiver breakout candidate. I mean, he was the number one wide receiver taken three years ago. And this, this receiver's class is looking like it was it was really undervalued because these guys are, are all sort of, you know, the Cortland Suttons, the Calvin Ridleys, Christian Kirk looks like he's going to be good. Um, Anthony Miller has potential. So, But of everybody, dude, DJ Moore is the best receiver from that class. And he is, in my opinion going to be a top five fantasy receiver and has without question you know a ton of room to grow after a breakout season last year teddy bridgewater is a huge upgrade over kyle allen who was a fucking terrible quarterback i mean didn't even start in college so dj moore i, I like that you know michael thomas dj moore they're going to have games where you got new orleans against carolina that's going to be a fun stack that's going to be there's going to be big weeks for mikey all right, so Todd Gurley, I look, I mean, I just don't think he's healthy. I mean, his knee is fucked up. I just, I, I think by week six, we're like, Todd, Todd Gurley can't, you know, isn't healthy. So I think in the fourth round, you know, it's hard to pass on him considering his track record, but his injury to me just makes him a huge risk. I'm assuming that he took Mark Andrews in the fifth round, which... I mean, look, Mark Andrews, he he just needs to run more routes. I mean, they got rid of Hayden Hurst. He had ten touchdowns last year, and he he had a hundred. He had about a hundred targets. I don't think it's out of the question to to say that Mark Andrews could be the best tight end in fantasy. Um, I think he's their best pass catching option. I mean, he's I think he's got a better chance at succeeding than. Uh, Marquise Brown does. So, I don't, again, I don't love taking a tight end in the fifth round, but you could say he's a better value than Kittle or, or Travis Kelsey just because you could get him, you know, two or three rounds later. Um, DK Metcalf, yeah, you want to talk about upside, that's, he's the definition of that. And I don't see him not, I mean, his floor is pretty high, too. He's the number two pass-catching option in Seattle. So, he's got the best quarterback in the league throwing him the football. I, DK Metcalf really has a lot of upside. He could, he had the most red zone targets in the NFL last year. So, I, I don't see how he doesn't at least return wide receiver three value. <laughs> Okay, so I had Devontae Parker last year. Devontae Parker was the second-best fantasy wide receiver after Week 8. He just got Tua, and I think that Tua is going to end up starting because Ryan Fitzpatrick's mother just died, and there's a chance that he won't be ready for Week 1. So, I mean, look, Preston Williams getting hurt last year really improved Parker's outlook, but... You also can't forget, I mean, this was a former first-round pick. He he has a lot of upside. I don't think he has a lot of downside either. I mean, he's the number one pass-catching option in, in Miami. Uh, Carson Wentz, look, he had nobody to throw to last year. Jalen Rieger just got hurt, so he still has nobody to throw to, but he's made the most out of nothing. So he's just got to stay healthy. Uh, Colts defense, they play Jacksonville week one. I mean, 
The Jags suck, so not not a bad defense to have. Carryon Johnson's going to start week one, um, so you know you might as well start him then. I mean, you could argue that you could throw him in there over you know one of your receivers, but uh, I don't love Carryon Johnson season outlook wise. I I think early season though he's solid. Daryl Henderson, he's he's banged up. Um, I watched him play a little bit. I, I just I don't know. I mean, he's he's going to be competing with Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown. I I don't like his outlook. I don't think he's really got much of a chance to break out. Zach Moss, I think, will end up being the starting running back in Buffalo. So I, I, that was a solid pick. I was pissed when you picked Zach Moss because I wanted to take him. But he went to Utah. He's a very good pass-catching running back. And he's a big guy. I mean, he, he's bigger than Devin Singletary by like 20 or 30 pounds. I mean, he's a, uh, I think he's about 20 pounds heavier. And he, he's going to be used in the red zone where Singletary really didn't see a lot of usage. Sterling Shepard, I mean, that's, you know, I don't really feel too strongly about Sterling Shepard. Hunter Henry, when he's healthy, I mean, the dude is a beast. And the only thing, again, it's I don't think L.A., there's a lot of volume in that offense for, for pass catchers, but I think Hunter Henry's talented. Don't get me wrong. He's a very talented player. John Brown, um, you know, he, he's the number two receiver now in Buffalo. I, I just, again, I don't see a lot of target volume there. I don't, I don't see how he really has a huge year. And then Baker Mayfield, I mean, makes sense. If you got Carson Wentz, you probably need a backup quarterback. Um, but I just don't, you know. He's got a ton of weapons. He, he could end up being a really good fantasy fantasy quarterback. So on Mikey's team, I, you know, wide receivers, holy shit. I mean, he, I think you can make the case he's got the best wide receivers in our league. Um, the area that I would be worried about with him would be Probably his RB2. That's that's going to be a problem because uh, I don't think Gurley can stay healthy. And then he absolutely is going to need for Zach Moss to break out. And then because on Johnson's not going to stay the starter all year. DeAndre Swift will eventually start. And then Daryl Henderson, I don't see any real reason why he's going to, you know, be, be relevant in L.A., especially because he's already hurt. Uh, but I think it's a good team. I mean, those receivers and tight end. I mean, that's that's as good of a receiver and tight end core as you as we have in the in the league. So, all right. So we're gonna pick nine here. This is uh, Reed, who was uh, the champion of the Sacco Bowl. I know Reed had a lot of shit luck last year. He he. It was not not a good year to be be Reed's team. Saquon got hurt, and then he just every week people went off. <laughs> But let's see how he did this year in the draft. So, okay, Nick Chubb. Um, look, here's the thing. Nick Chubb is an amazing runner, and he could lead the league in rushing yards. The problem, though, we're in a half-point PPR league, and you got Kareem Hunt sitting there. And I just don't see how Nick Chubb's going to get much usage in the passing game. I kind of feel like... He needs for Hunt to go down or for Hunt to kick someone in the face. If that happens, then yeah, dude, Nick Chubb is a fucking league-winning pick. But 
I'm not saying he's a bad pick. It's just like in the first round, there were other guys I, I liked a little bit more than Chubb. And if, right out the gate, I mean, you got Baltimore. That's that's a tough matchup. And he's going to have to play Pittsburgh, and he's going to have to play you know Baltimore again. Just That's tough. Uh, then he went like – so I talk about Chubb being like more of a between-the-tackles, like ground-and-pound guy. Then you've got the total opposite end with Austin Eckler in the second round. And, like, again, I've been talking about the Chargers. I don't think they're going to throw the ball a lot. And that's where Eckler's upside is. Eckler is an amazing receiving back. I mean, Eckler is a good player. You know, the funny thing about Austin Eckler is he's actually, he, if you wanted to compare him to someone, he's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, that's who he is. So... You know, he had a he had a lot of receiving. We, we, when you look at his stats last year, I mean, they they came in the in the receiving game. He had 900 yards receiving. He had eight receiving touchdowns. Like that's where he's going to have to thrive. He only had 550 yards. He only had 130 carries. So he needs the targets. Uh, so I think that hurts him this year. All right, I love Amari Cooper is just, I mean, if you, you want to talk about breakout candidate, I mean, he's broken out before, but, dude, Cooper is just, he's in the best offense in the NFC. And I think that the Cowboys are going to shred offensively. So I love Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is, um, to me, has every opportunity to be one of the best fantasy receivers in the league. All right, so I talked about Denver and all the mouths they had to feed there. Cortland Sutton, I mean, he popped off. He is a third-year wide receiver, breakout candidate. Um, I don't, I just don't know about Drew Locke, and I don't know about how much volume he's going to get in the passing game with Jerry Judy and Noah Fan and Sean Hamilton and Philip Lindsay. So he's a strong wide receiver too, though. Very strong wide receiver too. Um, I'm assuming Chris Carson. Chris Carson was probably picked before Sutton. I like Chris Carson. He just, look, he's got to stay healthy. That's the only thing with Chris Carson, but he has a high floor. He's an every down back on a run first team. He's very talented. And, you know, they the Seahawks should be an eight or nine win team. So he should be in positive game scripts to where he's getting a chance to, you know, score in the red zone. Um, and his only competition is uh, DJ Dallas. So he's he is the dude. Uh, Zach Ertz, that's a great – I mean, Zach Ertz is a solid tight end every year. I mean, he's probably going to be like third, fourth, fifth best tight end. You know, he, he's a sure bet for, I would say, like eight to 950 receiving yards and like six to eight touchdowns. I, I, I don't know how Dallas Goddard factors in this year because he missed some time last year, but I mean, Zach Ertz is the best pass-catching option in Philadelphia, and they got Carson Wentz, and I think Carson Wentz is very good. Deontay Johnson, um, he has a soft tissue injury, but it must not be a big deal. I love Deontay Johnson. I mean, he could be – I think he will have a huge year. He is one of the best route runners in the NFL at his age. And I just love the Steelers offense. I mean, the Big Ben back, I, I just think they're gonna be they're gonna be very good. 
Um, and he, he's like that Mike Wallace role type player um, deep down the field with Juju eating up the middle of the field. Deontay Johnson's going to have some, some, some big play opportunity. The thing I love about what Reed did in his draft is he went in, after he drafted Amari Cooper, he went out and he got Dak Prescott. That's just, that's awesome. I love building teams that way. And Dak Prescott to me, I mean, look, this guy's, I think he's the third best quarterback in, in fantasy behind, you know, Lamar and Mahomes. But you were able to get Dak in like the seventh, eighth round. So just way better value there. And he runs the ball. He's going to be used. He, he's going to score rushing touchdowns. He's going to have passing touchdowns. He's got CeeDee Lamb. He's got Mount Michael Gallup. He's got freaking Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, Blake Jarwin. I mean, he's got a lot of options. I don't see Dak Prescott finishing less than QB5 in fantasy if he's healthy all 16 games. All right, so let's look at the, the next player. See, Debo Samuel. See, I, like, I have Debo Samuel in Dynasty, and people have offered me trade for him. But the thing about Debo Samuel is he's not going to play the first four weeks of the season. And I just can't draft players that aren't going to play. I don't like that. It's like, when are you going to start him? Week six? I mean, that's, you know, hey, look, and he could pop off. but And the, the 49ers need Debo Samuel to be good. I just worry about his leg injury. I, I, I need to see him play. Uh, Tyler Higby was a huge benefactory of, beneficiary, I, wish, I should say, of when Gerald Everett got hurt. And he was just fucking killing it last year when, when Gerald Everett went down. The problem is Gerald Everett's healthy. So I don't know how that, you know, the target volume is going to be at tight end for, for the Rams. Naheem Hines, old NC State player, third-round pick, I think. Um, you know, Hines is a great pass. Hines is probably the best pass-catching back on the Colts. So does he have a role? Maybe. But, you know, they just drafted Jonathan Taylor. They had Marlon Mack. I just see it. I see a lot of obstacles for Naheem Hines to get early work in the season. You're, you're counting on Marlon Mack to get hurt, and then it being that Jonathan Taylor is just so bad at pass catching that they have to put Hines on the field. C.D. Lamb, I, look, he, we all, I, I was not like the biggest C.D. Lamb fan in the world. I think he's good, don't get me wrong, but everybody acted like he was the best receiver in the draft. I, I thought Jared Judy was better, and then Henry Ruggs had more upside. C.D. Lamb... Though, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think he's right now, he's going to have, you know, a hard time getting targets in, in that offense. But, you know, just because they took him in the first round doesn't mean he's going to show up week one and, you know, rip the cover off the ball. But we'll see. Uh, certainly a high upside player, but he has no floor. I mean, I, I just don't see him in the beginning getting many targets. Yeah, Darius, I mean, of all the receivers in, in New York, Darius Slayton, I think, has the most upside. I mean, we saw what he could do with, with Daniel Jones last year when Shepard and uh, Golden Tate were out of the lineup. So Tony Pollard, here's the thing. Tony Pollard is really good. He's just, he's behind Zeke. But if Zeke misses any time, Tony Pollard's a top five running back. I mean, if, if Zeke goes down, you, you put Pollard in and he's, he'll, he'll go off. Okay, Jalen Rieger. I would have drafted Jalen Rieger, but then he got hurt yesterday, and um, I don't know when he's coming back. So, I mean, he's supposed to miss four weeks with a shoulder issue. So, 
I'm just really with rookies, with COVID, with all this shit going on. I don't want to have to wait on guys. I need people by week three or four. I need to really know who's going to be in my lineup. So I, I just the only reason I didn't take Rieger, but dude, he's a guy that later on in the season, like like Debo, could could become really valuable in fantasy. So uh, looking at Reed's team, he has really. Here's the thing. He's got high-end running backs, but he has no real upside at running back other than Tony Pollard, who needs Zeke to go down. Chubb needs Hunt to go down. Eckler needs passing volume. Carson does have upside, but he's got to stay healthy. I like his receivers, though. I mean, look, I think it's a deep team. It's it's deep. It's it's a very safe team, I would say. Um, just not a lot of upside. That's that's the only thing, but I mean every one of these guys, you know, should return value. All right, last team in this breakdown is Sean Monahan, the reigning commissioner. Um, let's see, where is he? Kick it like Kareem. Okay, I think he's going to have to change his name because he doesn't have Kareem Hunt. All right, so in the first round, we had Josh Jacobs. Um, here's the thing. Week one, I don't think there's anyone I'd rather have than Josh Jacobs because as I told them yesterday, he's going to have like 200 yards rushing against Carolina. And he's going to be, it's going to be like, cool. It's going to be Groundhog Day. Um, but look, Las Vegas, they just re-signed Jalen Richard, and they drafted another pass-catching running back. So, I don't know if they're trying to make sure that, you know, they don't overload Josh Jacobs, because Josh Jacobs had, you know, I mean, he had 265 carries or something, 250 carries. He, he has room to grow. I mean, 300 carries is certainly in his realm of possibilities. Um, he needs more touchdowns. I think he had, he had seven touchdowns last year, and they all came, they came in like four or five games. To me, this is the way I look at Jacobs: is he's going to be one of those guys that has like huge spike weeks, but then he's going to have weeks where there's a lot to be desired because of his lack of pass catching. But that's something that could could change if they end up throwing him the ball. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Out the gate, Kenyon Drake's got, you know, tough matchup, but this guy was, a, he was a league winner last year if he had him. I mean, he really popped off, and, you know, he he's just got to stay healthy. I don't see him, though, as a workhorse. I think he's going to be the, the lead runner in that offense, but I do think Chase Edmonds is going to have a role. Kenyon Drake didn't get the majority of carries in Alabama. You know, he, he was never a workhorse back, but he's a great pass catcher, and he's got he's he's so good in the open field. I mean, he, he needs volume, but he's been efficient with limited touches. So it looks like his third pick was Kenny Galladay. Um, so Kenny Galladay, I mean, dude, he 
he popped off last year. Uh, he had 11 touchdowns. Matthew Stafford's healthy. And Matthew Stafford is a really good deep ball thrower, and that's where Kenny Galladay makes his money. So, look, I think if, if Stafford hadn't gotten hurt, we who knows? Kenny Galladay may have continued to just ascend. Um, I think there were better receivers on the board, but I don't think Kenny Galladay's a bad pick. And then he comes back on the turn with OBJ. And look, this is like one of the, it's, it's going to be hard to pass on OBJ because you know he has just an incredibly high ceiling. I don't know. I mean, this is one of those, I don't think OBJ is going to be bad. I mean, I don't think he's going to be bad. I just think, what is his, you know, what is his health situation? And I think Cleveland's a run-first team. With Kevin Stefanski as head coach, I mean, he's coming over from Minnesota where Dalvin Cook was the feature. You've got Nick Chubb. You've got Kareem Hunt. They're going to run the ball. They're going to throw the running backs. They're going to throw the tight ends. They're going to throw to Jarvis Landry. OBJ's just going to have to be really efficient with his targets, which he definitely can be. And that might help him stay healthy. Uh, okay, so this was... I, I, I ripped Paulini, so I have to rip Sean. Um, Gronk in the fifth round was just such a reach at this point. I mean, we're talking about a guy who hasn't played in a year. He's had back surgery. He may not even be the number one tight end in Tampa Bay. Um, you could have had Gronk much later than round five. There's a lot of name value there. And look, hey, look, Gronk could have 10 touchdowns. But that's what he's going to need, in my opinion, to return on this pick. It's just, it's just a reach. It's just a reach. That's, that's my only problem. But I love freaking Russ Wilson. I mean, my God. Russell Wilson, I think he could be the number one fantasy quarterback this year. He does everything. I mean, he, he is Seattle. He is the Seahawks. He is so good. And they haven't given him the opportunity to throw the ball as much as I feel like they should. They're a run-first team, but he's got Tyler Lockett. He's got DK Metcalf. I mean, Russell Wilson is, and they may, I mean, I don't know if they're going to sign Antonio Brown or not, but Russell Wilson's, uh, he, he, could, he could go off. Now, I will say this. I faced Mikey last year in the championship, and Russell Wilson, like, shit the bed. But that's not a reason not to draft him. I'm just saying he, he has those weeks where you're just like, what the fuck is Russell Wilson doing? Why is he not shredding? And week one, he's at Atlanta, so you know he's gonna have a he's gonna fucking go off. That's gonna be a track race. Uh, Will Fuller, I mean, dude, I I love Will Fuller. I, I mean, Sean and I were actually at the Notre Dame Virginia game when Will Fuller caught the game winning touchdown pass, which was a fucking awesome game. Uh, if Will Fuller, if I knew Will Fuller was gonna be healthy, I mean, I would have taken him in the third round. That's the only issue with Will Fuller; he can't stay healthy. He's the number one receiver in Houston, and Deshaun Watson's still there, and I still think Deshaun Watson's a top five, you know, fantasy quarterback. So, Will Fuller has a huge ceiling. Uh, Tarek Cohen is, you know, look, I live like just a few miles away from North Carolina A&T. It's, you know, he's the only guy to ever come out of there worth a shit, and he, he's five foot four, and he's a gadget player. He may, he may see a lot of work week one against Detroit. I mean, he may have a good week against Detroit. Detroit sucks. So if you're going to use him, you know, might as well use him early. 49ers D, I like that. They should they should probably sack Kyler Murray like six times week one because the Cardinals didn't do shit for their offensive line. So 
Um, Preston Williams just got to stay healthy. But we know he's talented. I mean, we, he's got a ton of upside. Alexander Madison is one of those guys that, you know, he could be a league-winning pick if Dalvin Cook goes down. Uh, if you have Russ Wilson, you probably don't need Drew Brees. But, you know, he's not a bad pick. It's just, you know, I, I don't know when you're going to start Drew because you've got Russ. So I would, I would always start Russ. Daryl Williams, he's the number two back in Kansas City. We don't know if Edwards Alaire is going to be amazing. So, look, I've, I used Daryl Williams a couple times last year. He's definitely a, a guy that you can use. I mean, he's got potential. I mean, he's in Kansas City. I mean, that's about as good a running back situation as there is. Uh, Deshaun Jackson doesn't like Jewish people, but, um, hey, dude, look, he, he's going to play, um, he's going to play the Washington football team week one of the season. I mean, you want to talk about, like, revenge narrative. I think he could pop off week one. But it's just a matter look, and, and here's the thing. I don't know if he can stay healthy all 16 games, but if he does... Look out, because he's really their, the best pass-catching option right now in, in Philly. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is its just a real muddled backfield in Tampa Bay. That's the only thing. Like, it's just I don't know if he's going to be um, able to really carve out a, a, a fantasy-relevant role without Ronald Jones and uh, Aguba Wale and, and Kayshawn Vaughn and, and those guys, you know, getting hurt. I just, he's, he's going to have to, you know, have some, some chaos there. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, that's tough. Um, but you know, I, Mike Williams. Okay. So right now it's looking like Mike Williams is going to miss two to four weeks. Um, and again, I've talked. To, I've said it a million times. I just don't see a lot of volume in that offense. I mean, you know, Mike Williams is talented. I mean, he he's had big games, big weeks in his career. I just you, Tyrod Taylor is not going to throw a lot of passes. That's just not how the Chargers are going to play this year. They're going to be run first. They're going to play defense. They got a hell of a defense. Their defense is super talented. You know, so. I, I just don't see a lot of passing volume. So overall, I mean, I think with Sean's team, I mean, he really needs Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake to, to, to pan out. Um, and OBJ. I mean, he needs OBJ to, to really to really come on. He's got Russ. I like I like the upside. There's a, again, this is a lot of there's a lot of upside here. Um, I the Gronk pick though that was a reach. And I think I, I think that Jacobs and, and Drake are are gonna be they're gonna have big roles. They're gonna be good players. I just see other guys also on the field with them. They're not gonna be like true workhorse players. So that's my breakdown of um, everybody's team. I mean, look, it's it's nobody's. Team is bad. Everybody's got a good team. Everybody's healthy. You know, everybody's got starterable players. You know, everybody who's got everybody starting, except for Jake McCall Hardman. I think everybody's got guys in their lineup that should be in their lineup. So, good job, guys. Um, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to do a week one breakdown 
just so I, you guys can see who I think is going to win their week one matchups or who has got the best team week one. So wait for that, and uh, I'll talk to you then. Bob, do you, I just want to ask you, does, how does that, Bob, I just want you to, Bob, I know you and I have been having a conversation, and you don't know a whole lot about me, so I just want to give you some background on myself, so that, like, you have a better understanding of, like, who you're talking to, and why, like, I value this so much, and want you to know about it, and really would love for you to consider potentially in getting in business basically with mentor works because it's, it's such a mutually beneficial thing that we can achieve here
that's a great question. And I didn't bring that up because I didn't want it to seem like, you know, I'm telling you that our idea is a good idea because of COVID. Because it's a good idea regardless of COVID. But my gosh, with COVID, it's an exceptional idea. It's basically like you're at the right place at the right time kind of thing. And you fall into this and it just works out, you know. To me, this has some... It reminds me a little bit of Blockbuster and Netflix. And we're Netflix, just so you know. Hmm. Colleges. Yeah, colleges are in trouble, in my opinion. You know, a lot of businesses are in trouble, but colleges, whoo, man. The international barrier to travel that this has created is uh, it's, it's terrible for colleges. They don't get nearly the same amount of international students. International students pay the full book, man. That's expensive to come here as an international student. You come here from another country, you're paying way more than someone in state. I mean, it's just, you know, that's a huge loss. 21%. That's a big number. You know, think about it this way. If you played fantasy football and you had a wide receiver on an NFL team, and they were getting 21% of the targets, that would be a lot of missed opportunity. They would probably be the best receiver in fantasy on that particular team. Because 21% of the targets is a huge share. Probably be among one of the leaders. It would be like losing. It would be like if you were the Rams, and you lost like Robert Woods. So, I've created this outline that I want to share with you guys. But what I've also done is gone further than that. Um, we are, to, I don't know a whole lot about what it's like to sell the index, to be honest with you. I don't know the kinds of people we're going to be talking to in terms of their personality type. But I'm sure there's some assumptions I can make, just like there's some assumptions I can't make. So through my... So what I'm getting for is, in the movie, have you ever, got, have you ever heard of the show Mindhunter? Okay, well, these are FBI agents who have been put on, like, so the FBI is kind of exploring, like, a new type of criminal because a new type of case is coming up, and they don't really understand why. And to be quite frank, it's famous. It's, these are like abominable acts. Like, it's just totally disgusting. And they create personality types. But through their investigations, they are able to categorize serial cases. And they can kind of understand why they commit the crimes they do. So I need to understand 
why do we make the type of method for here? So, let me ask you a question. Is there a particular type of investment that you've made in your investment history? Or one recently or consistently that has been very successful? Yeah, they got a good idea. Yeah, they got a good idea. They got a really good idea. Yeah, they got a really good idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm stuck in this. Where am I going to go here? today. I mean, think about this. Think about, do you watch, do you watch the football? Do you watch athletics? I mean, think about how within a matter of a few years, it's like there's been a lot of politicizing of sports. And obviously school's been politicized for a long time too, but where I'm really going with this is the societal perception of college has changed. The societal perception of college was one thing, now it's another. And it's changed quickly. It's becoming very evident that, oh wow, there's really no point in going to college. I mean, you go on Instagram, there are so many accounts that just, just bash colleges. And some of it's a bit, you know, some of it's a lot. It's like, okay, you're going a little bit too far, but the reason it's a trendy idea, it's like, oh, you don't need to go. College, dude, just make money off YouTube. Just make money off Instagram. And now, part of that is the cost, though. I mean, it just is expensive to go to college. And it takes four years, usually minimally, to get a degree. And then sometimes months after that to get a job. Sometimes years. I mean, how many people do you know who take a job as, like, a barista at Starbucks? And they've got a degree in arts or something. So, see, college used to have, like, 
some sort of a spec, like, oh yeah, he went to college, like, we can hire him. Now it's not about that. Jobs in our day and age, I feel like, are becoming so much more specialized that you have to have a certain skill set. And college doesn't really teach a lot of specific skill sets. It's giving you, like, information, and you are tested on the information. The actual applicability and, like, imitation of what you're learning is limited. Whereas, there's other forms of education that are being born, that are, are originating, that have been around now for years. But they didn't have the same perception of college. It was, like, boot camps... You know, tech schools, uh, like an ECPI or like a, you know, they don't have the same funding, but they don't get the same funding on a regular basis. Right where we come in. We're able to fund we're able to fund a lot of like students that wouldn't be approved because of a lack of financial availability. We'll, we'll get cohorts of people that want this program. We already know that there are companies that are lining up and they're telling us they got 30,000 people that they can reach out to about a program. I mean, 30,000. I mean, they got 8% of that. That would still be, you know, over 2,000 people. Probably $30,000 a pop on each of these tuitions, which we would make a percentage off of that by loaning them the money. But we do it on the back end. See, we don't charge them anything up front. We've partnered with these institutions to where they're kind of providing the overhead, the cost of these kids to go through. We're funding that that with a loan for the student who we've certified or they've certified through whatever you know curriculum they do. And then from there we See, from there, we provide them the mentorship, the help that they need to get the job. Now, I feel like, now, let me ask you guys a question. Hey, I kind of want to know more about how this, so here's the reality. What this is now is going to be, now what this is now is going to be successful. Now, let me just say this. I've only really told you a little bit about what this company's potential is because I don't really, like, you're going to be successful regardless of the latter portion of this. But what I'm getting at here is this is going to be, like, why I say Netflix is because everybody has Netflix now. Netflix is a huge company because it became part of the culture of American, you know, of our 
this day and age. It's part of the culture. And because of that, you know, because of that, you know, people are, you know, it's, it's like easy to be like, well, I mean, why would I not get a Netflix Pretty soon, people are just going to use, like, something like this online to get an education that's going to get them a job. And, like, companies are going to accept that type of employee because they'll be well-prepared. Like, they'll be worth the cost. These are jobs that are high-skill. See, what it, yeah. Well, I would tell you this. I mean, let's say Biden, you know. Say he lowers the the minimum wage, okay? And Andrew Yang kind of talked about this. But this is why I like Yang. And I think Yang, you know, Asian guy, probably doesn't have a chance. Not really even racism, just like, it's just not going to happen. Just that's, society doesn't, isn't ready to elect an Asian president, unfortunately. But... He talked about there's a big gap that's going to start happening if we increase the minimum wage. Because we're not going to hire more people at that cost. We're just going to reduce the amount of jobs that are low income that you can't afford to pay you know, $15 an hour. So you eliminate those jobs and... When you do so, you make it so we have to hire more highly skilled people. It's like, we're going to automate a lot of this stuff. So how do we, well, we need someone that can run the automation. Oh, that's a lot more valuable than, you know, the other jobs. Yeah. Somebody's got to make sure this works. Okay, who's that? Okay, this guy? All right, well, yeah, he's worth $80,000. That's why people make that much money. It's like, oh, they're important. And that's hard to do, or you have to have training to do that. It doesn't matter. You know, oh, I took a geology class. Like, I really don't give a shit. Like, it doesn't matter. It's not applicable to... And the problem with college is there's so much that's, like, in it so that there's more cost to it. You know, it's like, well, you have to have, like, this many credits... similar to the one I'm talking about, funded by an ISA. I mean, listen, most people in this country make like somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars a year. And you know, there's a lot of people that don't. And so or at least their salaries are so let me tell you this. If I said to you, okay, you make 30 grand, right? How much money do you have in the bank right now? I don't have any, I don't have any, you don't have any money in the bank. No. 
but uh, I should probably grab my phone charger just in case. I need my phone charger. so much interest that is built up on that. There's no interest. The interest is, there is interest, but it's built into the cost. So it's a fixed cost. So there's never like, you know, an amount of money that you're going to pay that exceeds the cap. You know. Now you can pay it all off earlier. You know, if you spend more money up front, but, you know, then you have to pay more up front. So, like the way my ISA works is right now it's going to be like start getting paid off in um, January. And basically I give them like 12% of, it's 12.5% pre-tax of my money. Per month. Um, so, but I'm still going to make, like, the amount of money that I'm going to make this year is much more than I would have made. So, even with those deductions coming from my salary, I'm still making more money. If that makes sense. And I'm working remote. I'm working from home. You know? This is much better. It's a much better situation. Um, okay. okay, so... What is your address? We have not been to your place in quite some time. Head south on Poplar Street Northwest toward West 1st Street, then turn right onto West 1st Street. Take the next right onto West 1st Street, then turn left onto Brookstown Avenue Southwest. I'm going to go to Anchor and I'm just going to replay what I've got. I think it goes back to this. You have to be able to speak these people's language. I want to speak these people's language. There is a resonance that I need to understand in order to get them to be like, okay, in what you're talking about because I've never heard of this and if you're if you're telling me the truth um, then you know 
there. Look, this is what I want to do, and I think that this is going to sound like very obvious to you, but I don't think a lot of people say it. Um, what I really am trying to get from this interaction that we're having, the reason that I'm reaching out to you, is I'm trying to understand the language that you speak and find this resonance between us where you can fully trust everything and all the information that I'm about to give you because that's the most important part of any type of a business deal or anything to that extent is trust, a relationship. And I want you to know that I'm coming from a very like honest place and that I'm telling you this because I want you to know that this is something that you can buy, something that's available to you and is going to change your investment strategy. And quite frankly, the idea that we have, the business, it's not even an idea anymore. I mean, this is now a living, breathing organism. It's an ecosystem that exists that we created, MentorWorks created, that is going to facilitate such a great amount of change in our education and what people can gain from, um, you know, a different structure of learning, a more modular, self-paced, self-taught, but also integrated in that it's not just self-taught, that it's there's a lot of support, that you have mentors, you have connectors, you have people that can walk you through the process if you need any help. Some people don't need it as much. You choose the level of need and guidance. And there's some urgency here because, look, we want you to be successful quickly. And the reason for that is because it does benefit us because we're providing this type of support, this type of education to people, and we're not even going to charge them initially for it. We're literally going to give them all the tools they need to be successful, to get a job, and then once they get this job and they're making a minimum salary threshold, you say, okay, we got you here, like, pay us back, you know, this is where you pay us back, this is where we needed to get you, this is where we said we fulfill on our promise, and people will gladly pay us back. If you're making $30,000 and you want to take one of our courses that costs what your salary costs because really the value it's there it's not only the value in what you'll be making but it expedites the process it's quick it happens fast and there is value in how quickly something can happen time is irreplaceable so how do you make up for it well great training and then an excellent team that can get you connected to a company that's going to not only benefit you, but you're going to benefit because you're well-trained. This is such a great idea. And honestly, the circumstances that we're in gives us even more tailwind than we already have. We have a lot of momentum. And there are competitors, believe me. We're not the only person that's come up with this idea. But we're the only person that's designed it in the complex way that we've designed it because we, A, need the structure. We have to build a foundation in order for this to thrive. We have to structure the deals in a way where both parties are benefiting and where it gives us the ability to use the capital that you give us and you trust that what we're doing initially is good. There's a trust here. Again. Like, we have so much inventory ready to go. 
What we need is the money to front the loans. The money is not going towards like developing anything new. Everything's already been developed. Everything's in place. It's just a matter of, hey, we need the loan money now. And we need some time to get these kids through, these cohorts through. And that will ultimately be the engine that powers this ship that's going to be taking people to their dream job, maybe. I mean, it's not, it's not crazy to say. I mean, I can tell you this because I know from experience how this process works because I went through one of these processes. I worked at a job that I didn't like. And it only paid me like $50,000 a year. And I think that's good. But I didn't like the job. And I wanted a new job. And I wanted to get into sales. And so I didn't even directly try to find this. It sort of found me. And I'm on Instagram one day, and I see an ad for something totally unrelated, actually. It was about a coding school. Hey, I love my job. I did this program. I got this job. I looked at it. It took me to this site called Career Karma. I went from Career Karma to this site called Prehire. And I read about this company and I was like, hmm, they're telling me that I'm going to go from making $50,000 to, they say, about $70,000 on average in the first year and then to over $100,000 in the second year. And I'm thinking, what's the catch? How are they trying to fuck me right now? Well, it's $30,000. But there's ways to pay into it early to lessen the cost. There's incentives that they give you to lower the cost. So I brought my cost down to like $26,000, which is $4,000. You know, that's a big difference. And the biggest thing, though, is I went through the program and in six weeks I had a new job making over $70,000 a year. And this is the job that I got through that company. And this is how people, I believe, will be getting education in like higher skilled jobs. Is through more modular, quick, like learn at your own pace type of training. So, I've I've given you a lot of information, Joe. Um, but from what you've heard from me, is that that sounds like a good idea to you, right? Well, you know, Wolf, I just I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think you're on to something. I think you're right about, you know, education being too expensive and uh, I hear you on like obviously you talking about a program that you yourself did so I get that like it's it's you're uh, you're attached to it but ultimately like if I make an investment like I have to make sure that there's no fail in it and, you know I you know how many maybe you're the rare exception to this ah I hear what you're saying Bob I hear what you're saying and um, I'm glad you brought that up because 
yeah, there are going to be people that go through our program that go through an ISA and they don't end up getting the job and they cannot make the payments on the loans. That happens. It's unfortunate. And it usually doesn't happen because of a lack of structure or anything. Sometimes it's circumstantial. Things happen in their life. Maybe something serious just the wrong time, wrong thing at the wrong time. And maybe the candidate didn't put in the effort. You know, maybe we misqualified them. Maybe we overstated or we, uh, we qualified someone that wasn't actually, you know, capable or had the aptitude or the wherewithal to go through the program. So that happens. And, you know, that's the thing. We create these models that can give us, based on how we structure the deal, it's a deal that's beneficial for the student, it's a deal that's beneficial for the school, and it's a deal that's beneficial for our investors. Ultimately, meaning it's a really good deal for MentorWorks. And that's how we structure every one of our models and, our, and any kind of a loan that we're going to give out, whether it's you know an individual loan or to a coding company or a college or an accredited college for that matter. You know, you want to get into specifics. Um, and where's I going with this? Oh, we uh, we make sure that we get at least with all the risk implied. You know, where we go, okay, well, let's just say 30% of these people don't pay their loans, which is a huge deferment rate for what we're doing, for what the numbers of data that we have, 30% deferment. But we're taking into account that's what is expected. Like, yeah, that's that's expected. Um, but it probably won't happen. But anyway, with that assessment rate, we're projecting that we'll pay you out 15%. Okay? So... If we hit the marks on those numbers, then, yeah, by year, you know, we're going to start seeing the money coming in. We're going to have a lot of inventory. Now, there's also going to be people that pay off their loans much more quickly. We're going to get a lot. We are going to get people that pay up front. There's some people that are going to go, well, you know what? I was going to spend, you know, $100,000 on college. I'll just spend uh, $17,000, dollars $20,000 on this. And, you know, I'll pay it right now. So then it's just like, boom, we just got $20,000. And we probably still got the minimal amount of interest we needed built in in order to hit our mark. So, you know, the only way this would fa really fail, like, to make any money is if we had, you know, more than, like, a 55% deferment rate, which would be very high. But... That's the biggest thing that has to be assessed is the deferment rate. I mean, absolutely. Well, it's the most important. I mean, of all of the variables that could fuck us, that's the biggest one, in my opinion. Because if we're not getting people to pay us our lo the loans back, it doesn't really matter. You know? I mean, well, you guys know this as well as I do, but, like, the deferment is the, is the risk that we have to understand the most at this point. Like... We have to account for that big time because, I mean, look, ultimately, like, there are going to be people that don't succeed. I mean, I could understand why someone, like, I went through an ISA, why they wouldn't be able to do it. But it would, you know, they would probably still be on the hook. Just because someone doesn't pay doesn't mean they're not off the hook. They are on the hook. We can go, we just have to, you know, invest more time to get that money. We may have to charge them some fees, 
what we should do is we should be like, hey, man, like, listen, like, we're your partner. Like, we want you to do well. Like, you know, we need to, we need to fix this. We need to get you back through the program. And, you know, we, we need to figure out, like, why this didn't work. help me out with something real quick. Um, do, you have, do you have time? Uh, Wolf, what is this in, in regards to? I, I don't think we've spoken before. Um, do, how do I know you? Do I, do I know you? Uh, you know, Bob, the reason that I reached out to you is because I have spoken to a lot of people who are very similar to you that you're in the investment space. And there is a lot of uncertainty happening right now. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, circumstances that exist. But outside of that, um, I know that you're, as an investor, always looking for opportunities. And I have a great opportunity that I'd love to talk to you about called MentorWorks. If, you know, you want to give me... 10 to 15 minutes on your calendar or talk now either way if I may I'd love to tell you more about it we're a private credit firm so we we're a private credit firm but that much isn't to be very if I'm being like totally direct, it's a private credit firm, but MentorWorks is much more than that. And I want you to understand the value that it brings to its investors because... In half a mile, keep left at the fork to continue on US 421 South. Follow signs for I-73 South, I-85. It's something that is going to make a difference in the world and people are going to need and want. And therefore, any investor needs and wants something that other people need. And this is at the very cusp. As I Keep left at the fork to continue on US 421 South. And I do believe that this type of a idea that we have, MentorWorks, and I keep saying idea, this is no longer an idea. This is a living, living breathing ecosystem that we have developed that is going to cultivate amazing careers for people in an age where the way that you get a career and the way that you add value to a company has changed immensely and not a lot of people have caught on to it. Ring, ring. Hello? Hey, Bob, it's Wolfgang over at MetaWorks. I actually just shot you a, uh, an email. I saw that you just opened it up and I wanted to follow up with you on it. Uh, what is this in regards to? Well, Bob, the reason I'm reaching out to you is because I talked to a lot of people like yourself who are in the investment space, and I know you're always looking for great opportunities, and I have an amazing opportunity that I'd love to tell you about, MentorWorks, if you have a second. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I have time. Go ahead and tell me this amazing opportunity, Wolf. Well, Bob, uh... 
MentorWorks adds a lot of value to its investors because the product itself is extremely valuable to society and is going to be a huge part in education pivoting into an entirely different direction. And we are in a space that's got a lot of tailwind. The growth here is immense. And we're looking to give people interested in investing in this company at least 15% on their returns and their investments. Uh, does that sound like something that you'd be interested in, Don? Yeah, I obviously just gave you a lot of information and I made a pretty big promise to you and obviously you don't know me, um, but I want you, Bob, to trust me. And I want you to know that I'm coming from a really honest place because I have an intimacy with using a program like MentorWorks in the past, yes, we have competitors. Amazing, right? It's a big space, and people are getting into this, and we're we're the most well-suited vehicle for this industry to thrive in, and that's why we are so eager to get people on board with us because we've got a lot of inventory. We've got a lot of companies, a lot of schools, a lot of people that are interested in, in getting involved with this. And... Um, what I'm talking about, Bob, is ISAs. Do you have any familiarity with ISAs? You know, there's a lot of information here, Bob, and I really, I'm the messenger man. I just want to get the word out. I want people to understand that MentorWorks exists, that it's here for people to use, and also people to invest in. And the great thing about Amazon is you can use Amazon, but you can also buy Amazon stock knowing that it's a great company. This is like the same thing, except their opportunity for growth here, much bigger, at a much lower cost. Bob, look, I just, I, I hear what you're saying, um, but, but does the idea make sense to you? Ah, yes. I'll tell you all about what the company does. The reason that the company is going to be successful is because, A, we have the infrastructure from the front and back end to support the entire process in order for students or those prospects interested in developing a new career to get that career and then pay us back on our loan. And the unique thing about these loans is that ISAs are extremely affordable and there's many people who can't get education funds that we can give educational funds to. And it's it's a game changer for everybody. It's a game changer for that person because they get an opportunity to learn a skill that they wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise. It's a game changer for the employer because they get a great employee. And it's a great a game changer for the institute that gets the student because they wouldn't have been able to educate that person and ultimately get that person's business, um, you know, and, and that relationship, that benefit. So Bob, that's why this program is so successful because we have a great model in place for how we select the prospects that get to go through this type of a program and we account for the risk that is actually undermining the potential earnings that we can give you. Now I said 15%, um, you know, but we can get more into numbers and everything in a different call where actually I'd have you with um, 
our big finance guy. He's, he's the numbers guy. Um, I'd love to introduce you to Key uh, and, and get you in, you know, the funnel here, the process of, you know, potentially making a great... In a quarter mile, turn right onto Jamestown Parkway. ...very wealthy and is going to also help facilitate a really great cause and make a big change in the world that's... It's going to happen regardless, you know, it's it's happening. This, this is going that direction, and I want you to be on the wave, Bob. Take the second right onto Jamestown Parkway, then turn right onto East Main Street. All right, so I'm 30 years old, 30 years young, and my cat is currently chasing one of those pens like a stylus, that's what exactly what it is, it's a stylus. And there she goes, I'm over here by Winnie. Hey Winnie, you're my favorite. There's the stylus. So anyways, it's 2.17 in the morning and I've had an amazingly awesome fucking day. And if anybody was gonna be like, Wolf, what is it that you know that is possible when you turn 30, I would tell you this. Life is full of patterns and cute little cats that chase around styluses while you're trying to give a monumental speech. But honestly, like, the amount of time that I feel like has passed between the time I turned 30 and the two hours that is transpired between me and myself putting these thoughts down is it feels like an eternity because of the amount of different emotions that I've experienced. And if anybody was going to ask me how to live life, I would just say, follow your soul, follow your emotions. And as cliche as it sounds, it's so fucking true. You know, do what you know you should do. Even when you feel like you're going to get judged for doing it. Because most of the time, you're probably capable of doing it. And if anybody's going to judge you for failing, fuck that person. They can fucking go die. Okay? You go do whatever it is that you think you should do. Whatever you feel in your soul that you should do. You know? I mean, Winnie's over here. She feels like she should just chase around this stylus. Let me tell you something. Earlier, I had the lights off in my apartment. And I was looking for a pen to write with. And I had a pen in my hand. And then I dropped the pen. And I didn't reach down on the ground and pick it up. There was more pens in the bin. Now, I had to kind of go through a couple pens. I was like, fuck, man, these... No, I don't want that one. I was like, man, should I, should I just go down on the ground and pick up that one? No, I'm going to keep looking. Came up another pen. I had a pen in my hand. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go with this pen. And, you know, I eventually thought about, like, well, maybe I'll put this pen back and reach down and grab that other pen. But I didn't do that. And the pen I chose was a blue pen. And it was good. It was a good pen. And as I look down on the ground right now, there is a pen. But it is a red pen. 
I would not have wanted to write in my book with a red fucking pen. Why did I even ever think about going down on the ground and getting that fucking pen? You know why I did? Because that's the way fucking people think. They think they fucking need something. Then it just goes away without you doing anything. You just I just dropped it. I didn't even mean to do that. Oh, it's just now it's out of your life. You did that wasn't good for you. But yet we fixate on well, what if that was the thing that I what if I what that was the pen. The pen. That was it that was it, right? You know? No, it wasn't. Just fucking move on to the next damn thing. And that's all I've been doing. For thirty fucking years. Just moving on to the next thing. You know? I mean, dude, I could tell you... Today, I could tell you stories upon stories. It's been one fucking day. Just, that's all you gotta do. Is just go out and meet people. I mean, shit. You know? Invest your time in human fucking beings. That's the best thing you can invest in. They're people. You know, learn about people. People wanna be heard. People wanna, you know... Want you to talk to them. I don't know why people don't just listen to people. It's really fucking easy. I mean, here, let me tell you about my day. I woke up today. And, oh my God, this was an amazing day. The day before I turned 30. Maybe one of the most amazing days in my life. So first off, the night before I was spending time with... All my, like, really good friends, I mean, Harleen and Julian and Josh and Sarah Bradford, like, great people. Love these people. The dogs, Baxter, BB, you know, we had a blast. We played this game called Exploding Kittens. Winnie didn't like it. She wasn't invited. Anyway, fast forward to today, or which is now yesterday. I get up. I decide I can just sleep as long as I fucking want because it's Saturday. I don't have to do anything until 10. Well, why do I have to do at 10? Well, I'm getting a massage. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lucky me, huh? I get to go get a massage. Look at this guy. Hey, any one of you motherfuckers could get a massage. You just gotta, you know, go get a massage therapist and pay them to massage you. It's a great idea. Maybe consider it. So I go and I get my massage. And then I get done with my massage, and then I'm like, you know what, I feel like going for a long stroll. And I decide, I I do this walk every day where I walk from my apartment. I go up 2nd Street, down Brookstown, to the park, and there's R.J. Reynolds High School. And up at the top of R.J. Reynolds High School are three pull-up, well, there's actually four pull-up bars. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do a workout. Why the fuck not? So I work out for 40 minutes, interval training, pull-ups, leg raises, sets of 100, or no, sets of 50 uh, jump ropes, and then 10 to 20 push-ups, and then I did that for 40 minutes. So I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. So then I got done with that. And I walked all the way to Bailey Park, but it's funny because while I was getting my massage, Dominic, is my massage therapist's name, mentioned to me that, oh, I think that I've convinced Chris. Chris is the woman who is the manager at Incendiary. I think I've convinced her to ditch 
hand in stone, hand in stone being the massage place that is like the business for where I met Dom. Dom has since started his own business as a massage therapist. Anyways, he convinced her to see him just as himself, as like a sole proprietor. I thought it was great. I look on Instagram while I'm walking towards Bailey Park, which is actually right where Incendiary is, and I see that Incendiary has posted something on Instagram about Chris. Oh my God, Chris, it's her birthday today, January 23rd. And I say, Chris, happy birthday. Haven't talked to you in a while. Just so you know, tomorrow's my birthday. And guess what? She wished me a happy birthday, which was kind of nice. So then I continued strolling down Bailey Park, or towards Bailey Park. You know, you got to go down 4th Street, past all these buildings. It's great. And then I got down there, and I decided, all right, I've been listening to music, nonsensical tunes for, I don't know, how long I've been listening to these nonsensical tunes, but let's switch it up. Let's put some Tony Robbins on, listen to Tony Robbins. He's talking about financial shit. Not something you guys want to hear about, but is important for me. I walk back home. Oh, and also I ran into these two random girls. They were probably in their early 20s. Not saying I wasn't interested, but mm, wasn't interested. Ran into them twice. Didn't really give a shit. Came back home. I made kale. I, I made kale. For lunch with an avocado and Brazil nuts. Took that back with me to the radio station because I had to do a radio broadcast, right? Because this is how my day goes. Guys, we're not even to the good stuff yet. We're just talking about the bullshit. Just wait. It gets better. So, I decide, hey, I'm going to do my broadcast. It was a great broadcast. It was, uh, you know, hockey it was awesome because they won the game in regulation. That's why it was awesome. Because it finished at the time that it was supposed to finish. It's always annoying when the game doesn't finish when it's supposed to finish. Because there's overtime. You don't want overtime. In broadcasting, I don't really give a shit who wins. All I give a shit about is when it starts and when it ends. Because that means I get to go the fuck home. And I did not go for the fuck home because while I was in the middle of my broadcast, a buddy of mine, Nick, who I met through Learfield IMG, and is from Winston-Salem, who has since moved to Raleigh, called me. This is where it gets interesting, folks. Nick calls me up. I can't answer because I'm on the fucking radio in Boston. So I have to, you know, wait till the broadcast is over. I call him up. I'm like, Nick! What's up? You're in Winston. You were in Raleigh. That's where you live now. But you're in Winston now. What brings you here? He's like, oh, just decided to show up because I can do whatever the fuck I want. Good man. So I went and talked to him at a place called Crafted, which is a taco place, which is the best fucking taco place I've ever been to in my fucking life. Can't believe I didn't get a taco. Probably the only regrettable thing that I did today. However, I did make a huge ribeye steak after that. So, but anyway, we made plans. It's like, okay, we'll meet later. I was actually home with my ribeye steak and with Winnie. 
And I was like, oh, Winnie, I don't know if I feel like meeting Nick because I'm home right now. I could just be here and like go in my bed and read this book that I'm reading by Matthew McConaughey called Green Lights that was given to me by Josh for my birthday. So anyways, that's the backstory there. I decide, you know what, I'm going to put on my black denim jeans, which if I put on my black denim jeans and my black boots with a tight black shirt and my jacket, it's go time. Some shit is about to happen. That is like my, my attire. Like, whew. That's my best look. Let's go. So I got a dogwood. It's about a nine minute walk from here. That's me walking. Probably longer for other folks. Anyways, I go there. And very early on, there was a girl that walked in. Beautiful blonde girl. Probably about five foot eight, but she had heels on. So she looked like she was more like six one or two. And another girl accompanying her. I didn't really look at her because she was not nearly as attractive. Sorry, girls. Just being honest. So, I'm at the bar with Nick, and we're discussing things. There was actually two other girls there, Jordan and Logan, both of whom were attractive. I talked to Jordan because she was getting engaged, and I asked her, Hey, Jordan, do you have a wedding DJ? Oh, by the way, not only do I do radio, I'm also a DJ. Huh. Funny story. She's like, no, we don't have a DJ. You're hired. That's the long and short of it. It was some more, but long and short, I'm going to DJ her wedding. Then there was another girl, Logan. Kind of tried flirting with her. She wasn't really feeling it. Honestly, in hindsight, not as attractive as this girl at the bar. But I didn't initially go for her. I sat back. I chit-chatted with Nick because I hadn't seen the guy in a while. I remembered Nick. You see, Nick is like, Kind of, this is why Nick and I are good friends. Because we're like long-term investor kind of guy thinkers. And he's been investing in these like playing cards. They're like, uh, you know, rookie cards, whatever. He's got like all these Tyler Hero cards. He's the white guy on the Miami. He's like one of the only white basketball players in the league that's good. Sorry, guys. I got to take a swig of my water. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ, I feel like I've been talking for five goddamn hours. Mm. So anyway. <sighs> Nick and I are talking. I mentioned the uh, playing cards. Then he's like, Pokemon. I pulled a Gyarados. I'm giving him shit. I'm like, Gyarados isn't a good Pokemon. He's two times weak to lightning. And he's like, yeah, and Charizard's not good either. Yep, he's two times weak to lightning and to rock. By the way, Charizard is a shitty Pokemon. Just so you know, he would get fucked up by a lot of other Pokemon. But he's a rare card, wouldn't you think? It's like life. The pretty things are always the most expensive, but when you realize what a fucking downside they are, you go, oh, I should have thought of that. Anyways, back to the whole story. So, you know, this blonde girl, Nick and I are both like, yeah. So I go over to her. And I saw that she was drinking wine. And I don't really give a shit, but I said, uh, did you get that wine here? And she goes, yeah, well, I'm in. Okay, if she had told me to go fuck myself, probably wouldn't be talking to you guys. 
So we sit there, we chit chat. It's pretty much apparent to me at this point that I'm going to take this woman back to my apartment and show her a great time. If only that's how it went. We did get back to my apartment. She likes a couple of artists. Uh, Russ was the one we were listening to while we were doing the Dirty Deed. Of course, I wore a condom. We're having sex. I've probably made her come like three or four times at this point. She's got an amazing body. I'm an ass guy, so I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to finish, but I want you to, I want to be behind you. And I noticed like, dude, this condom, fuck, it is like, it is dry. So I just bought a whole bunch of lube. Funny story, while we were kind of, you know, doing all the stuff leading up to the going into my room and doing the thing, she noticed I had a to-do list. On my to-do list, at the very bottom, after beer, was lube. Guess what, folks? I bought that bottle of lube, and I was using it on my penis and her ass. And then I put my dick in her pussy and fucked the shit out of her until I ejaculated inside of her. Now, that would be a great story, except for the fact that I thought the condom I was wearing was actually still on my fucking dick. But I realized about a minute later that that thing had fucking broken. And I had to tell this girl, uh, I know that was probably the best sex that you just ever had, and you wanted to drink that wine, and you wanted to lay on top of me, and probably fuck me one or seven more times, but I have some bad news. That condom that I thought I was wearing when I came inside of you just broke. So what do you think we did? Well, we certainly didn't do all of the things that we thought we were going to do. We got in my fucking car. I was wearing sweatpants at this point. No longer in my chic black attire. I look like a fucking homeless guy. Going into Walgreens. First thing I go to the Walgreens guy, I go, Hey, you guys got plan B? He's like, pharmacy. She's like, why the fuck did you ask that? I'm like, I don't know. Why are we here? Also, Walgreens, it is open. This late. It is. It was like, God, man, this all happened so quickly. Yeah, it was like not even 11 yet. It was almost 11. So we get to plan B. She takes it. I had to like, this, by the way, first off, we had to go to the back. This woman's back there. I'm like, hey. She's like, yeah, I know what you fucking need. Why the fuck else would a guy at 10.50 at night show up here? Yeah, she knew. She's like, brand or not brand. I'm like, whatever's cheapest, honey. She gives it to me in this, like, this box. It was like, nobody was allowed to get in it. It was like, we really, like, plan B, it was like, really where plan B was. It was like, this is where we put plan B. Nobody gets to go inside. And I was trying to, she's like, I can't open it. I'm like, no shit, you can't open it. My God, you didn't even wear underwear. Like, I know you can't open it. So I'm trying to open it. Fuck. I got it open with my key. Not what the key was used for or designed for, I should say. She took it. You know, she gave me her number. Yeah. Like, she's going to call me. Um, and then I brought her home. Which, by the way, her friends, she's from Raleigh, were literally two blocks from me. Funny enough. So, after that, I'm like, fuck, this has been a weird night. I'm going to have Nick. 
And so if he's playing with his Pokemon cards, he's like, nah, dude. I'm at Jordan's house, the girl's wedding I'm going to DJ. Come over. So I come over. They're getting ready to watch the McGregor fight. I didn't watch it, but that's not the best part. I did see some guy get the shit beat out of him. But I went into a buddy of mine's car, Matt, who finagles in what many of you know as psychedelics. And he's like, bro, this looks like a chocolate bar. And I'm like, I know that's what it looks like, but that ain't what that shit is. He's like, you are correct. It was mushrooms. So obviously, I ate all of them. And now we're having this conversation. And that is the story. In 20 fucking minutes, that was my day. And I tread balls. I thought of all the women I've ever loved, which is only one, so just her. And then, well, my mom, if you count her. But mom, I did think of you, just so you know. But kind of weird night. You probably don't want me thinking about you on a night like tonight. So then I decided to record myself in this day. And that only took 20 minutes, folks. So it's that easy. I turned 30. Have a day like that by the time you're 30, and you'll live the full life. Love, peace, prosper, whatever the fuck else. See you, cunts.